Mofax with Adam Curry for November 23rd, 2021. This is episode number 71. We are back one week after the Lost Tapes. Time for another full-on Mofax with Adam Curry. I am Adam Curry, coming to you from the heart of Texas Hill Country. And we will be spinning that wheel of topless once again with the man who knows how it goes. From Northern Virginia, please say hello to my friend on the other end, Mr. Mo Fax. How you doing, Adam? I am. Well, now that I'm talking to you, Mo, I'm doing great. <laughs> yes. To be honest, I've, I've, uh, I've had too many white opinions uh, the past uh, week. <laughs> They're abundant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As I was, I was telling uh, Tina. I said, "Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know where I'm not 100 percent because you know we don't really discuss much before the show." I right. said, "I'm pretty sure what will be included somehow in today into this week's program." I'm like, "I cannot wait to talk to Mo. I'm so excited." It was, it was the unavoidable. Uh, I intentionally kind of stayed away from this. Until I knew we were going to have to do a show on it. And it says, I guess we can go ahead and spin the wheel. Yeah. All right. Let's hit it. Yeah, best hit. <laughs> round and round uh, it goes. The wheel of top is where it stops. Nobody knows. But of course, Mo Fax knows because he's put it all together for us. So what is the topic for episode number 71 of Mo Fax with Adam Curry? We're under real threat. Under real threat? Under real threat. Under so, a real threat. Okay. Under a real threat. And that's uh, Doctor. Uh, that's uh, Reverend Al Sharpton. Uh, <laughs> Don't give him more credit now. With this doctor. Just well, I, 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 eventually it's coming. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> that's the that's the new business model. But we got to talk about uh, Cal. Yes. Uh, Rittenhouse, aka Killer Cal, aka Cal the Kid, depending on what side you're on. Uh, and as you said, the the opinions are abundant. Uh, <laughs> on this topic, so I guess we have to weigh in on it. Um, yes, I, I I will say that I watched most of the trial, and that's great because I watched very little of the trial. Yes, other than the clips, because uh, I when I went back and looked at it to go down that rabbit hole, uh-huh. I wanted it to be as uh, unnudged as possible. Right. <laughs> to use a word yes exactly um, no no i'm this is good because i i feel at least prepared for what i saw in the trial and you know and, mm-hmm. and we'll just take it from there but yeah uh opinions are the, you're right a lot of opinions about this one i'm very excited and i and, and just to go off the top i really i don't, don't want to go to blow by blow i mean because you've seen all the people do their law degrees and of course they didn't get their law degree from svu <laughs> Like I have. <laughs> so. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and and that really is a is a fine piece of paper. I'm all in on it. <laughs> yes, many many hours spent uh, doing coursework. But, yes. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna have our unique take as usual. And to start off, I guess we need to do a little timeline, uh, and we're gonna use this ABC report. <laughs> On August 23, 2020, Jacob Blake was shot multiple times in the back by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after officers responded to a call about a domestic dispute, according to the Wisconsin Department of Justice. Within hours, protests began in the city. On the night of August 25, 2020, protesters and groups of armed men who said they were there to protect businesses gathered in Kenosha. 
Among the armed men was then 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. We don't have non-lethal. Using multiple videos obtained and verified by ABC News, as well as the criminal complaint against Rittenhouse filed on August 27th, we put together a detailed timeline of the shootings that happened in downtown Kenosha on August 25th, 2020, two days after Jacob Blake was shot by the police. Wow. 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 Okay, hold on a second. Um, in addition to, the, uh, you need to know this, in addition to the fact that uh, that I, I watched most of the trial, I think most of the pertinent mm-hmm. parts, um, I am also, right off the bat, I'll just tell you my bias, I'm of the opinion that this was a media psyop, regardless of what happened. This was a media psychological operation on the American public, and it was evident to me when uh, the prosecution was um, at bat, you know, it was CNN, MSNBC, wall-to-wall, and Fox was breaking in, and and when the defense was up at bat, it was the exact reverse. And I thought, okay, I got you. Message received. So that that's <laughs> just, that's my, that's my starting off take. As you know, I'm completely open to anything. And to be honest with everybody that's listening, I haven't heard your take. I did not listen to the latest episode of No Agenda for this exact point. I don't know where you're coming from on this case. And I'll say this. This is probably the hardest uh, trial we're going to cover uh, on a uh, a uh, audio-only podcast mm. because everything is so dependent upon video. Video, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, shameless plug for the uh, lost tapes coming up next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's what you're supposed to do. That's 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 how it works, Mo. We we just like ABC. We we plug. Our, we do stories about our own entertainment products. That's exactly, exactly. how it goes. Yes, very, <laughs> so, good. very good. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be very hard to translate what was seen. So that's why I didn't really go with a lot of oh, what happened in this event. No, I know I agree. I I, I think that yeah. it's almost unimportant uh, for for the way we look at stuff. But I totally agree. This was a psychological operation, uh, only to incite, only to sh- uh, strike fear. And mm-hmm. what it was really was a huge upskirt to Lady Justice. Uh, I think everybody come, <laughs> is coming out Damn. of this thing. I just got a visual on that, and I didn't like it. <laughs> no, because... But if you upskirt now, Lady Justice and she doesn't see it, did it happen? Well, she's always blindfolded. Well, exactly, so, exactly. So, uh, but no, I think because everybody is going away from this now seeing if the court wants you or the pro- say the, if the prosecution wants you, they will do anything... anything. To get, get you. you. Yeah. And and the weird uh part of this is um the so so called quote unquote black community has been saying this for decades and uh centuries, but now everybody's starting to catch on <laughs> to say we saw what this prosecution did, <laughs> the tactics, the um uh, just all the I mean I, I didn't really cover this, but like the actually just speak on the video quality. How they play games with the video quality of the yeah. videos they use, the suppression of evidence. So the bright side of this for me is everybody is going to be critical of the justice system moving forward because it's not so justice after all. Uh, at, in the end, it was, but we see the tactics are, that are used 
to get somebody that they want to target. So I, I actually have not discussed the psychological operation on no agenda yet. Mm-hmm. I was planning maybe on doing that third. I actually, my opinion may be uh, adjusted after today's show. So what's interesting, why you say, look at the prosecution, they'll do anything to get you. What actually happened after the, after the, the verdict is that that exact thing was used in reverse. Because all I heard um, MSNBC and CNN saying, and it was very clear division between them and Fox, was if this was a black man, he would have been in jail for 25 years. And, and so what's weird is, yeah, they're not wrong. If it would, and let me, let me refine that but, point. If yes. it would have been a black man without $2 million <laughs> to, for his defense, he would, he would have been in jail. Uh, the only reason why Kyle got off was the amount of support that came out for him and, you know, in legal fund, uh, to do all the groundwork and everything that needed to be done to present his case. Cause it's clear that. The prosecution wanted him, but let's not get too far ahead because what I want to do is we got to go back to the uh, Jacob Blake case, which was the whole. Yes. The, uh, uh, the genesis of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're going to see how hard they pushed this to even be an issue. Uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, what I'm speaking of, because the Jacob Blake situation was a non-starter. So what now we have to do is go back in the time. And go back and look at the law, the facts, the truth of Jacob Blake. Now, my handle is Nate the Lawyer, and welcome to my YouTube spot. I am a former law enforcement officer, former prosecutor, and I taught at a law school for the past two years. Currently, I'm a private attorney, and I do private practice. As a black law enforcement officer, as a former black prosecutor, and and as a black attorney, I think it's important to look at both the law and the facts of any incident before you pass judgment. The most important thing about my videos is that you are the judge. You get to decide whether things are justified or unjustified. And we do that by looking at the facts and the law dispassionately. Now, we do have to understand the cultural context of the times we're living in. Racism plays a factor in some of these things, but not always. And we have to understand when race does play a factor and when it does not. Because those are two important questions we have to answer. So we're going to try to see if we can answer those questions today with the case of Robert Blake. But to do that, I'm going to need more of your attention than I usually do. I'm going to need to both teach you law, show you examples, and then apply the law to Mr. Blake's situation. That's the only way we're going to get a clear understanding of what happened. Now, this is a a well-known YouTube attorney. Yes, this is Nate the Lawyer, mm-hmm. and I think he does the best work. He's on a hot streak right now as far as the number of cases he's called correctly, mm-hmm. and we're going to be using him throughout the show. Can I, can I, I, can I, I'm sorry to do this. I just want to throw back mm-hmm. to just before uh, we got into this. I think it's okay. important, uh, at least for, for the producers. I, um, I'm in agreement with you that uh, the $2 million defense fund was incredibly important in, uh, in this outcome. And this, mm-hmm. this, you know, there were some other attorneys involved before, including Lynn Wood. I don't know if you're going to touch on that, but there's a lot of shystery going on there. Uh, but I just want to know, do you agree that if it was a black man who had $2 million, he also would have gotten the same verdict? 
because that's kind of that's kind of what the the the, yeah. the differentiator here is. You know, it's like would he still have gone to jail because he was black, or uh, even even if had he had the same amount of resources? If he had the same amount of resources, you would have had the same outcome. Okay, uh, because we saw this with OJ. <laughs> when you have a lawyer, and that's the thing about America. Um, you see businessmen followed by foul after foul after foul of lawyers. <laughs> this is how America works. It's like you have lawyers to watch your lawyers, you know, kind of thing. And they leave no stone unturned. If you're talking about going into this case with a public defendant against this prosecution, no, you, you're going to you're going to be so. This is a great take on this trial. I'm so glad you're doing it this way. Okay, um, we can go back to the uh, what's his name? The YouTube lawyer. So this is this is this is Nate the lawyer. Nate the lawyer. Um, Nate the lawyer. Yes. Yeah. So he like I, said, I like him fair. already. He's, by the way, I, I like how he's talking. So I like him. Yeah. And you, I played that opening because it's kind of a great uh, opening to the show as well. That we're going to have to take things that are law, and then we can also separate it and say, okay, what's the emotional impact or what. Think yes. what we think um what they don't call it they call it justice now but that's not real justice justice is by the letter of the law <laughs> uh now it's about oh what we what feels right mm-hmm. uh, yeah. or what we think should happen mm-hmm. so now nate is the lawyer is going to get into what he what he thought the outcome of the jacob blake situation should have been in clip number four now i know you want to have people out there saying that there is no evidence of institutional racism today. Those people are either lying to you or being dishonest. Now, I've said that to say this. This situation, Mr. Blank, I don't believe is one of them. Now, if you want to argue about whether the police should have responded the way they did, whether he was an actual threat, those I think are legitimate questions. Or the question of, well, how come this happens to African-Americans at a disproportionate rate? That's a conversation I think you should be willing to have. But for this particular incident, just to say that race had this overarching part in this incident, it's just hard for me to swallow. And I understand the need to boycott. I understand the need to social justice and social change. But I don't think this is the case to make that argument for. I just don't. Trayvon Martin? Yes. Walter Scott? Yes. George Floyd? Obviously. Ahmaud Arbery? Yes, this case, I'm just not there. All right, and it's amazing how they did this pairing of time with the uh, Amal Arbery case. How oh, oh, things- no! That, uh, thank you. That yes, that was my uh, when when I saw how that was running concurrently and the timing of the verdicts coming out, I immediately said, "Oh, this this just confirms my my whole psychological operation thinking." Mm-hmm. And it could have been some esoteric uh kind of things going on too because it was some kind of funny blood moon <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, right yeah you're right the whole uh, which is known it's also known as a sacrificial moon mm-hmm. so i thought it was looking bad for kyle i was like man you, <laughs> you, you screwed, about bro. to really feel the bottom you about to feel the bottom, bottom oh. now. <laughs> uh, uh so yeah so that's nate the lawyer he says that jacob blake and just to let people know jacob blake was the man that was shot seven times that was the genesis of this whole situation. So now we had to go a timeline within so, a timeline. Let me just say go one ahead. thing about Jacob yes. Blake. Sure. Um, because there was a knife uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in close proximity. 
uh, which he admitted to. I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen the, him admitting to it on TV. So the mm-hmm. the only thing I I just want to add to that, knowing a lot of law enforcement, if there's a person who was who is intent on stabbing you, blading you, mm-hmm. I, I learned the lingo. Um, uh, within 21 feet, they absolutely have a chance of killing you, even if you have a gun. <laughs> Okay, and that's, we saw this similar case with the uh, young lady that was shot in Ohio, where she wasn't a threat to the cop, but she was a threat to another person, yes. and they decided to use lethal force, so, mm-hmm. but we have to go back, because the Jacob Blake situation was very clear-cut, we had a video that saw the whole situation, yeah. Yeah. but they had to drag it out to make it seem like it's something, something that it wasn't. So now we're going to go and listen to what actually took place in that situation before we get into the Rittenhouse uh, situation. Uh, number five. Because I felt like I was dying. I was counting down the breaths. I was awoke the whole time. It was the moment Jacob Blake thought he was about to die. I was counting down my breaths and my blinks because I was just staring right at the sky, watching the clouds. I was just like, God, I'm coming. I guess this is it for me, but it wasn't. The 29-year-old speaking out for the first time almost five months after being shot seven times by police. You didn't resist. I resisted to getting beat on. What I mean by that is not falling, not Letting them put their head on my neck. That's all I was thinking, honestly. Blake is now partially paralyzed from the waist down. A moment captured by bystanders, eventually going viral. Yeah. So that's that's how they played it up. And I don't know how Strahan said that. He said, like, you didn't resist. Was that a command or was that a question because it, it was, was unclear it was unclear yeah it kind of like it's like they edited it in afterwards it was very very unnatural yeah or or did some kind of editing there because it's like he made a statement but in these following clips you're going to see he understands what really went on and and to be honest with you when everybody saw the tape let me just, let me say it like this nobody deserves to be shot seven times let, let me just say that. <laughs> um if if you're moving away from the suspect um i believe but as a cop justified to do it yes is that the law yes um I, and i'll say this in in a situation if we're talking about the number of shots that's totally different from whether a shot should have been fired uh if you're moving away from anybody let's just like if i'm in a tussle with somebody and they're going into their car, best believe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, right? I'm assume the worst. I'm not going to sit here and wait for you to pull out um, whatever. Yeah, to pull out whatever and then, you know, I, and lose my upper hand. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I, I completely understand. Uh, I think the frustration is the number of shots. And that number of shots, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that was the real headline. Man yeah, shot seven shot. times, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and nothing after that even mattered. Uh, why he was shot or anything else? If it had been shot one, two, three times, then it would. Well, be and like, I okay, think that's because not you know, a story. It, it's a great headline, and it, it becomes mm-hmm. a story because everybody can agree on that. Now, that's not fair because neither you or I were a cop in that position. You have no idea. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, we really don't know. Uh, but everybody can agree. Damn, that seems like a lot. 
that, it, this is the number, and yeah. that's what and what we're talking about is for headline value. Yeah, because like like we both agree, a, a lot of people only read headlines, and then, and I'm just gonna go to the YouTube video title here. Jacob Blake tells his story after being shot seven times by police. The encounter marking the climax of a summer rocked by reckoning. Protesters adding the name Jacob Blake to their rallying cry, joining those of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. With call for action echoing across America, from celebrities to athletes. We are scared as black people. Activists demanding justice for the ever-growing list of black victims shot by police. I didn't want to be the next George Floyd. I didn't want to die. Oh, man. Okay, so I love that we're not doing video because I haven't seen any of this, and I'm Mm -hmm. just listening to it. It's masterful. We as black people are afraid. I mean, this is some good mind control. And that frustrated me every time I hear LeBron James say that because yeah. to be a six hundred, uh, excuse me, a six foot seven, six foot nine uh, black man, um, almost three hundred pound, two fifty, two sixty, with almost a billion dollars, bro, you shouldn't be scared. I mean, because right. that what that was just doing is playing into this fearful. Uh, black man role like oh we're just walking around the street street scared every day no what we are are aware and that's why i was so frustrated with jacob blake is the fact that you're aware what's gonna happen if you don't listen to commands wrestle with cops and then move into your car everybody knows that's a that's, that's a, <laughs> it's a, a bad a, idea a, a prescription for a hot <laughs> dose of lead i mean it just it's baked into our our understanding that's that talk that we used to talk about a lot, but we haven't talked about so much. That kind of thing, like if they, if you get you, you're saying just comply, get your one phone call, call, bail out, and you go home. You know, to wrestle with somebody, you know what the outcome can be. It's not always that case, but it can be, and you can take it there. So that's why they didn't get very much traction with this story when it first was rolled out. Right. Um, but the seven shots helped. The seven shots still, that's, just to say it, seven shots, it yeah. just rolls off your tongue and that mm-hmm. thing got its canvas own life. And a lot of people were duped it's power, by it. It's a powerful then, number, seven, you know? It's yeah. a powerful and number. And that's the other thing. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. It's like the uh, uh, very powerful number because uh, it just rounds up to 10. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they almost hit them with 10 shots. Uh, when, when you processing it, I mean, when you process numbers like that, that's why they use certain numbers in certain ways. Well, it's also, you know, you got to, you got to, people think uh, gun, many think revolver, six shots, six shooter, five, right. seven. Are you going to get lucky today, punk? I mean, you just, there's something about it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that, that's all I'm saying. That's, that's all plays into it. So now we got Jacob Blake. He's talking about he's being shot. Now we're going to have Strahan push back a little bit and like kind of reiterate to what I was saying about it's kind of understood when you behave in that manner, what could happen. Records show that Officer Shetsky recalls telling Blake, quote, let's talk about this. As Blake places one of the kids in the car, he then tells Blake he has a warrant and tries to arrest him. They didn't say why they were there. Mm -mm. They didn't say anything to me. Did they tell you that they had a warrant for your arrest? No, I thought that it had been over with. Police deploy a stun gun multiple times. Blake pulls the prongs out of his skin. 
Officer Shesky and Blake end up in a physical altercation on the ground. We see you when you walk away from the officers after they try to grab you. At that point, I'm rattled. You know, <laughs> I realized I had dropped my knife, <laughs> had a little pocket knife. Uh -huh. So I picked it up after I got off of him because they tased me and I fell on top of him. His is in there, probably face on the window. I'm about to get in here and check on my kids. In the video, you hear them saying, drop the knife. I think a couple people were saying that, but I didn't hear none of that. Blake turns away from the officers and walks around the front of the vehicle towards the driver's side door. What are you thinking at that point? I had picked my knife up. I'm like, I'm not really worried. I'm walking away from them, so it's not like they're going to shoot me. I shouldn't have picked it up. At that time, I wasn't thinking clearly. Hey, wait, this is the interviewer is Michael Strahan? Yes. Wow, they give him the weirdest gigs. Well, they had to find a black man. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, usually they, <laughs> they put him in a dress. They make him do the uncomfortable bullcrap segment on the morning show. But then it's, this is a this is a big one, and they and they give it to him. It's like it's it's jeez. Be more blatant about it, please, ABC. Well, that, and that's that's the, that's why I said that they had to find a black man. We uh, see every time that yeah. when somebody's in, interviewed in these kind of situations, they're like, "Who we got black?" Or you seen it with the MSNBC panels? Well, because it's uh, Michael Strahan. Take off. Because it's Michael Strahan. That's why you actually think, "Wow, they really did just go who we got that's black." Although, Correct. although <laughs> I, I kind of dig it. I think it's interesting to hear him do this. Yeah, it's, and the, and the other thing, like I said, on the MSNBC panels, you see this as well. People will take a day off so they can have a black anchor on their yeah. uh, show that's usually hosted <laughs> by a white person. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very it's, obvious. And I and I love the Amber. What's her name with the with the big afro? I mean, it's pouring it on, man. We got Cleopatra Jones on MSNBC. Yeah, I think she does the MSNBC, the one online as well. It's, some, some it's great. I, I, I love watching her. I can't get right. enough of her, but holy crap. <laughs> yeah, so um, as you can hear, uh, Michael Strahan is kind of like, hey, well, you get, you did kind of uh, get tased yeah, and pick up a <laughs> knife and wrestle with cops. Yeah. This is what made it so hard for them. And, and the point I'm making is, the fact that this was so hard for them and a non-starter, uh, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was a godsend for them. Right, for all the all the elements it. were there. Yeah, yeah. Because you had it. They tried to wrestle with you. They shot you with a few tasers. You still got up. You, you dropped had a weapon. Picked up your knife. <laughs> right. And then Walked you to your car to <laughs> with. And the, what people got to understand is it's just so. I mean, it's going to be uh, brought up again in the clips. Is his kids was in the car, and his uh, the mother of his children had called the cops to say, "Hey, he's trying to steal the car." So with the kids, they don't know if it's a kid. You know, they don't know if it's a kidnap situation. They don't know what. And I, I'm not saying I'm not taking up for the police in any kind of way, but it's the context. You always have to say because the reason why I don't take up for police is they're professionals. The same way I look at them like doctors <laughs> with the uh, with the coop situation. Mm, okay. It's like. If you're a professional, you're expected to have a higher standard than an average citizen. Um, like I said, Agreed. the same way I look at doctors with the coof. Uh, like, <laughs> y'all are supposed to have a higher standard uh, than even newscasters or anybody else. So, um, yeah. So, 
they're processing all this in a matter of seconds. And for the, I'm going to say this, people, everybody needs to stop calling the police for everything. Um, these kind of things used to be solved within the community. And what I mean by, I don't mean the black community. I'm just saying if it was a domestic dispute, uh, the men would come in and say, Hey man, go walk it off. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I, I, I totally agree with you, Mo. It is, and it is a male problem. We have become a nation of, uh, pussies who want to call mm-hmm. someone about something else. And, the, and what bugged me the most is exactly that, you know, and now in Austin, where of course we left, uh, mm-hmm. they, what they're doing is they're, uh, instead of, going the direction i think you and i would like is say hey let's just do this in the community we got men around here we should just you know to settle things you know we all have to live together no instead now they're taking that you know that policing role because people always call 911 and now they're giving it to social workers which is probably the worst thing you can do they're gonna get their asses beat it's so stupid and we have it's always i'm gonna sue you i'm gonna do this we don't discuss things. We don't work things out amongst each other anymore, regardless of race. Well, people think the police are like uh, there to play games with them. Yeah. When you call the police, they're there to take somebody to jail. Um, that's their. I mean, that's their job. Is <laughs> you don't yeah. call them out there to break up uh, domestic disputes. And what I mean by that, like, oh, you and your brother-in-law had a few too many drinks and you chest but, bumping, right? But and it, then it's abuse. On the it, phone. It's abuse, yeah. and the citizens need to know it. And it's the same with EMT. I have many EMT friends, and they get called, and they have to respond. They can't. They can't say no. We're not going to the call. They'll get there, and it's a morbidly obese person who's saying, "I can't get my cigarettes. Can you get them off of the table?" <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. This kind of shit. It's unbelievable. So yeah, I'm, that's one thing that we can do to resolve a lot of these incidences. Don't don't. I'll say it like this. If he was a real threat, then call the police. And obviously, she thought he was a real threat. But if you just think hey, he's going to go ride around the block and come back once he blow some steam off, don't call the police. Um, and for him to say he forgot, he thought the warrant situation was over. No. Everybody knows from a speeding ticket to tra- uh, parking tickets to whatever else, you know when you got something lingering over your head dealing with the court. That, I, I, I find that hard to believe. Um, just from my from my viewpoint. So, um, with that said, we can go ahead and get into uh, part four of this clip. You, you said that we can just look at the video. And the video tells everything. There are going to be a lot of people who look at the video and say, in the video, you're walking away from the police. So why didn't he just stop and do what the police are asking him to do? I couldn't hear that. All I heard was screaming, screaming. My ears was ringing, so... It was all muffled. If the police were fighting me, if they were if they were tasing me, I would stop walking away from them, and, and they would have my attention. And when they yes. tased me, I had my hands up. So, Officer Shetsky's attorney insists, "quote The officers were compelled to use force once Blake began actively resisting their verbal commands." Adding that the claim the officer didn't say anything to him during the altercation is quote preposterous. As Blake opens the door of the car, Officer Shetsky claims Blake drove the knife toward his body. Blake denies this. Officer Shetsky then grabs Blake by the back of his shirt and shoots him seven times. Yeah, I gotta say, I think Strahan has a career doing crime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did a great interview, and yeah. the way he, you could hear him say, 
a lot of people would say you kind of brought that on yourself. Yeah. That's kind of what he was saying. Well, and but he's approaching it from. I, I like that he's he is speaking like a black man to a black man. I can hear that. He's like, "Come on, man. Am I am I he am I wrong?" Go out there and be like, "Well, it's justifiable," or I mean, your actions were justifiable. No, you, you wrestling tased. Right, but Strahan, Strahan said that. Strahan's yeah. like. <laughs> that, you know that get my attention i mean i can hear you say that mo i think it's a very funny way of saying it like you dumbass. i think strahan's saying that don't you yeah this, I, I agree I, I totally agree with him but he couldn't just come out and say it he says a lot of people no, would of course say not you know, abc <laughs> you can't do that you can't talk like that on abc of course not but why not and that's that ha- lets you know oh, well. this situation <laughs> yeah is bigger than they had to keep the ball rolling and this was months later now the the After he had got out of the hospital and everything else they still were giving it a little fuel and uh fuel to the flame when did the protest start oh this the, the, the protest for his uh after his shooting it started immediately immediately okay yeah because yes. yes all right but the problem was, um, when people actually saw the video, it was hard to get a real. Yeah, um, it wasn't usable. Uprising. All they all they had was seven shots. Everything else was no good. Right, but that's when I think they had to engage the third wave that we talked about mm-hmm. and and bring in the criminals. Yep, it's like <laughs> from across state lines, probably. Yeah. So. <laughs> They couldn't get like legit protesters out there, like with George Floyd and the other cases that we've seen. So I think that's why you saw the <laughs> the assembly of characters that was involved in Rittenhouse case. Yeah, these they, were these were higher hands. They these drummed not, up a bunch uh, of criminals. You're right, man. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's, yes. Go ahead. No, no. You, so I'm on board. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. Of it was just a bad situation that they couldn't spin anyway. So now they use all, all that energy went into the Rittenhouse case. Uh, the political energy. I'll mm-hmm. say the political energy. Yeah. So now this is Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah. And this is her. It's unbelievable. Speaking, it's unbelievable. It's, this is unbelievable. And her speaking on the meeting with uh, Jacob Blake's family. I sat down with Democratic Vice Presidential nominee Senator Kamala Harris Thursday afternoon for a wide-ranging conversation on the issues facing Americans in this unique presidential election year. And we started, we started with the Jacob Blake case, the man shot seven times by police in Wisconsin. As I understand, you've talked to Jacob Blake's family. Yes. Um, yeah. What was that conversation like? Uh, first of all, his family, um, they're really wonderful and extraordinary people. Um, they have suffered so much. You know, he has six children. Three, his sons, who the eldest, was it was his eighth birthday that day, right? And so um, it was a family conversation, and it was his sister, his father, his mother, and they're just full of grace and um, and pain, right? That's coexisting for them. And um, and I talked again with his mother, um, but Joe was so good with them, you know. Joe Biden, I you know, he has had conversations with with Jacob's family, with Mr. Blake's family. He has had conversations with Mr. Floyd's family, with Ahmad Aubrey's family, and he sees them. 
you know, and they need to be seen, they need to be heard, and I think that's the important thing about these conversations. He sees them. Yes. Well, you have to, we got to bring Joe back from the, if you ain't, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. You know, we got to sauce him a little bit. But you know how condescending is it for somebody to say, I see you. I see you, Adam. Oh, yeah. Uh, and be like, I, I see. Yeah. What, what is that? Like, I don't want to be seen. That's, act, that, that's actually kind of like a cringy white woman thing to say. And that, that's that, that's that whole, th- we see you. We acknowledge you. We don't want to be acknowledged and seen. That that whole thing, and then oh, Joe, he's so wonderful. And then the family, oh, they're extraordinary and graceful. Like who, who wants to be graceful? <laughs> if, if, I'm gonna say this: if my son had been shot seven times wrongly and something that he didn't you know have any part in to bring it upon himself, the last thing I'm gonna be is damn graceful. Right? What what is that? He they're graceful. It, it, she had to walk this line of uh, don't be too um, aggressive, but we can't seem too weak either. Here's the, that's what. Go ahead. Oh, here's the here's the real question for me. And Tina and I were talking about this maybe for the past two days. Do we think that the reason that Kamala Harris actually believes these men were wronged, all of them? But let's just let's just say to keep it with. Uh, Blake to keep it easy mm. because she only reads a briefing sees a headline and just has a bias and is just rolling with it or is she really that calculated and is she is this all premeditated she's acting here regardless because that's her job mm. but do you think that she really knows what's going on I, mean, I just question if these I think these people are like most of America they just look at a headline and know how they feel about the world and it just fits in this narrative and uh, and that's what everyone's saying anyway so let's go brandon for her to be a potential uh supreme court justice <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. nominee i want i want better and like i was saying about the cops i want somebody you your whole career is in law you had no problem with locking up uh uh, uh, women who had uh, children with truancy problems. You saw we we covered in the case. Uh, we covered the case of the man that she tried to lock up wrongfully. So no, dope I smokers. don't buy this. Oh, locked locked huh? up dope smokers. Right, dope smokers. I don't think this is. Oh, now she's found Jesus. You know, no, I know. I think it's that. Hey, I gotta make sure Joe looks as good as possible. So I can take the spot from him when it's time. So I, I can never make it to the White House if Joe doesn't make it to the White House. And I think that's her whole thing. Uh, you can't sit here and see what I saw, what Strahan saw, and say there's any gray area there. Right? You just can't. <laughs> no. You just can't. No. Especially if your your uh, your career is in law. That's what frustrates me about her. This is not some. This is not Sarah Palin. And there's no not to Sarah Payton. What I'm just saying is this is not some random woman that was selected to be VP. She's supposed to have a long history in law enforcement. And to sit here and say, well, the things that she's going to say in this video, uh, it just amazes me. So I guess we can go ahead and get into part two of this clip. As a former prosecutor and someone who worked closely with police for years, based on what you've seen, what you know about the case, is there a scenario in which... Yeah, of course. I want you to notice something. You can start this clip over. When she's annoyed and I've listened to enough Kamala, I got her tail now. 
when oh, she's annoyed okay. with a question, yeah. <laughs> she hits you with this flat dull, yeah. That's her tell. Okay. That's yeah, her yeah, tell. Yeah, That's yeah, when she's yeah, annoyed yeah. by a question. Good catch. Here we go. <laughs> As a former prosecutor and someone who worked closely with police for years, yeah. based <laughs> on what you've seen, what you know about the case, is there a scenario in which that officer would have been justified, was justified in firing his weapon? Craig, I don't, I don't see it, but I don't have all the evidence. Stop. You know, from what I saw. The, I mean, just remind people what the question question was, because she does this well. I got to give it to her. She'll have you forget what the question was by she get time she gets done yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the question was: Is there any scenario, any, from what we saw, where the cop would be justified? I just remind people of the question before she answers it. Would have been justified. Was justified in firing his weapon. Craig, I don't, I don't see it, but I don't have all the evidence. You know, from what I saw, which is what the public has seen, so, you know, I'm not the prosecutor in the case. Um, I don't have all the evidence, but, you know, the man was, was going to a, his car. He didn't appear to be armed. And if he was not armed, if he was not armed, the use of force that was seven bullets coming out of a gun at close range in the back of the man... Um, I, I don't see how anybody could reason that that was justifiable. You think the officer should be charged? I think that there should be a, a thorough investigation, and based on what I've seen, it, it seems that the officer should be charged. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Madam uh, Vice President, here's your talking point. We really want to hit the seven <laughs> shots. That's that's really what we want. We'll just kind of focus on the seven, seven shots would really be in the back, uh, seven shots. That would really be helpful, Madam President, uh, Vice President. And anytime these questions are asked, like straight hands asking, like I forget this gentleman's name over MSNBC, that means you really don't have a leg to stand on. And it's like the public is saying this. So they have to, in good faith, I mean, put that in the world sentence same sense with the media but they know they have i can't go out here and not ask this question or or it would just be blatant that i'm on the tape so you saw straight hand had to ask a tough question mm-hmm. you saw he had to ask a tough question in any sense he gave her out to yeah. say in <laughs> any, any scenario, any scenario. She, yeah she could have easily said well you know but you can see you could hear the the calculations going in her head to say, well, you know, I don't have all the evidence, and I saw what the people saw, and yeah, but she's, da, 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 she's not sharp. She's not sharp because you're right; she didn't pick up on the out. Right, he gave her an out, mm-hmm. and, and he and he made it clear in any scenario. So, um, yeah, Kamala, we we know her past. We know oh, yeah. what she's known for mm-hmm. locking people up. So, if this was in her district and she was the uh, uh, putting DA, handcuffs on Willie Brown. <laughs> I don't think that was a, a, no, a punitive. No, no they were pink handcuffs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. So I don't, I don't buy it um, at all. But she had to go out. She had to go out and do what she had to do. And this, is, this remind people, this is during the election cycle. Yeah. So they were saying anything, anything, anything to and, make sure and, they they got elected. And the media was even worse than it is now, as far as the suppression of information. So. For her to have be brought and asked these questions, it, you know that it was public, uh, and the public these questions were swirling. So, um, let's go ahead and get into the third and final piece of this um, clip. To those who are saying right now across this country, and there are a lot of folks who are saying, 
here's a man who uh, wouldn't follow police commands. Law enforcement tried to use a, a, a taser, um, and then he apparently is, is reaching into a car where a knife was later found. And because of those reasons, we should reserve judgment, and the officer should be afforded due process. What would you say to those people who are saying that? Everyone should be afforded due process. I, I agree with that completely. That is absolutely one of the important tenets of our, of our system of justice. Um, but it, here's the thing. In America, we know these cases keep happening. And we have had too many black men in America who have been the subject of this kind of conduct. And, and many of whom have lost their lives and we speak their names all the time. Again, George Floyd. I mean, just as the most recent, you know, most public example of this. And it's got to stop. A few hours ago, I, I heard the vice president say, Vice President Biden, I heard him say that the president was rooting for more violence. He thought President Trump was rooting for more violence. How, how does more violence help the president politically? <laughs> I mean, I can't, uh, look, you're going to have to ask Kellyanne Conway or somebody. I don't know, but that's not my, that's not my deal. So, once he, he doubled down, it's like, yo, this looks kind of bad. Uh, the, the people are not really with it. And, right. and they were, nobody was really crying over Jacob Blake. I, and let me just be honest. A lot of people are like you. You put that on yourself, in the words of Martin Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you 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 brought that situation on yourself, and and if you want to take it one step further, his baby mama really brought it on him, on him. Uh, and it's uh, I find by, it, by calling this, the cops. Right. I find it amazing that you have this phenomenon where these people are called the police on other people, and then when something happens, they're like, "Oh, why'd you do that to him?" Uh, what'd you call me for? Yeah. Uh, if it's not that serious, you know. So is, is there no realization in these communities that this is a dumb idea? What's going on with that? Maybe that's no, something. The poli- I'm, like, you want me to be, I mean, I, I could be completely candid and I'm going to piss probably a lot of people. By the, by the end of the show, I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off. So I might as well start now. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are okay with the police as long as they're doing their bidding. And see, this is where the family courts and if you want to talk about uh, structural or institutional racism or white supremacy and all these things, this is where it starts. This is how you get the man out of the house. This is no man in the house manifested. Ah, yes. Okay. Of course. To say, I'm fed up with you. (laughs) I'm tired of your crap. 911. Come get him. I'm tired of him. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter what the reason he could have. You know, so where where does this loud. where does this in, this empowerment entitlement comes from the influences of the women running BLM or is this how is this it's the co- family courts the family courts have weaponized themselves uh, well weaponized women uh, women women and not children all, I mean I want to make sure not all women but it has given them the ability to say if you want the power of the state to step in and this goes back to the I think last show the show before that. When we're talking about the kids and who owns your kids, yeah, you know, really the states own your kids. When you sign that birth certificate, the states own your kid. And it's like, okay, now state, I need help with, uh, with, um, you know, the co-parent uh, between us, me, you, and him, uh, being, you know, the three parties, being the two parents in the state. I need him out of here. 
And that's basically what she did was engage white supremacy on him. And that's and that's and not not saying the cops are white supremacists. What I'm saying is the system, the family court system is set up to say, if you're unhappy with this man, we'll take we'll get him out of there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the reason, the case, the cause, whatever. It he got to go. And me and you fall under that as well. I mean, yes. I, no, I, I know. I, I, saw, I, I saw what happened in my, uh, in my first divorce. Uh, uh-huh. I saw how, uh, what kind of lawyers came to my uh, ex-wife's uh, immediate aid, and I saw what they were trying to do. Now, luckily, our daughter was um, almost 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't, but, oh, man. I mean, it was, and also, my ex-wife was making way more money than me. So, you know, <laughs> I was oh, like, you were really bad. Off. You well, were really no, I bad said, off. I said like, Hey, you know, um, no, in, in that case, I said, uh, you really don't want me claiming money. Do you? Because I was making less. I mean, oh, you're talking about the divorce sense. I yeah. Mean, in the monetary sense. I'm talking about in the actual but physical removement sense. Of- right. No, but, but I'm saying is that I saw how the, how the justice system is completely geared towards screwing the, the dad, screwing the husband, screwing the, yes. the male partner. That's what I mean. Which I won't, I, we also got to highlight the fact that there are bad actors out there that do, you know what I'm saying? Hell, it was a several of them in Kenosha that night that do actually. See, deadbeat. So it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of, uh, men out here that actually abuse women. Sure. And we saw several of them in Kenosha that night. That's right. And it's amazing how they always <laughs> tend to be around when yeah, these kind of things go down. Bull crap happening. Yep. Yeah, so we're not saying that the police is not necessary and domestic violence is not a serious issue, but I think people take it too far in the sense of if you're just having a couple spat, there's no need to involve the law in it because the law only has one purpose, and that's to enact the law. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's the, whatever the law is. It's okay. Uh, they'll, they'll quickly tell you, Mr. Curry, Mr. Facts. You got 30 minutes to pack a bag. You got anywhere get, to go. You want to make a phone call? You got to get up out of here. And that's, that's, that's the it. system. Mm-hmm. And that's the other leg of the justice system that really needs to be exposed. We saw the one leg of it get exposed during this trial. Now that's another leg that we need to expose in the future because that caused a lot of um, uh, strife and unnecessary involvement of law enforcement in, in couple situations. But mm-hmm. I digress. Okay, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. That was that was worth the diversion for me. So I think we stopped at 11. Now we got to get to actual Joe Biden uh, speaking to uh, Jacob Blake. Also had been waiting to hear more about his visit with the family of Jacob Blake. Attorney Benjamin Crump released a statement minutes ago while the vice president was speaking, said that he and Dr. Biden met with the family, including Jacob Blake's father, Jacob Blake Sr., his sisters and brother. Ben Crump listened in by phone, as did Jacob Blake's mother and Jacob Blake himself from his hospital bed. This piece of the statement in particular stood out, quote, I'm quoting from the statement from Ben Crump, quote, Jacob Jr., the young man who was shot, Jacob Jr., shared about the pain he is enduring and the vice president commiserated. The vice president told the family that he believes the best of America is in all of us and that we need to value all our differences as we come together in America's great melting pot. Going on to read, quote, it was very obvious that Vice President Biden cared as he extended to Jacob Jr. a sense of humanity, treating him as a person worthy of consideration and prayer, unquote. 
That is part of a statement from attorney Benjamin Crump about the meeting that Vice President Joe Biden had with the Blake family. So apparently, Kristen, Joe Biden and Jacob Blake spoke, communicated somewhat today, which I think is the first we've heard of a major political figure actually talking to the family and to young Mr. Blake. That is a great piece of propaganda. <laughs> have have the guy's him. lawyer create the statement of what happened with color mm-hmm. and just read that verbatim on the air and then say, wow, it looks like they had a, a good little old chat, didn't they? <laughs> but I would say this, that uh, Trump and or Biden needs to update their language because melting pot is now racist. <laughs> You, said you cannot say yeah, melting this is pot. True. This is true. So yeah. you're very you're very tone deaf in, in 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 doing that. But this is this is this goes with the thing with Cardi B and talking to the president the presidential candidates. This goes with um you know all these other people that talk to presidential candidates. Now you got people that are shot talking to a presidential candidate. This was the cringe. This was the pander. The panda machine was on eleven right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as oh, let's go talk to Jacob Blake, and then the egg was on their face. But people with short memories and under mass formation, they don't see this. They don't. They don't hear this. They only hear seven shots. Yeah, and that's that's why you saying that psyop is spot on because none of this translates. All of this was. I mean, I'm not going to get these clips from anywhere uh, uh, exclusive or anything. This was for public knowledge, yeah. and and the and the reporters knew. Well, like, well, that kind of, that sounds kind of crazy if you ask me. But <clears throat> seven uh, shots, before, seven shots, seven shots, seven shots. That's all that mattered. So before we get into this, I want to identify that who this reporter is talking to, and I I had it written down here, but it's Kristen. She's the new Department of Justice Civil Rights. Oh, uh, this head. is the uh, yeah, this is the uh, American Indian woman. No, no, she's she's black. Oh well, no, well she's black in color, but I think she's from the Caribbean. Um, she's oh. not. She's not Ados. No, she's um, not Ados. No, I thought she was uh, American Indian. No, you're thinking about Gupta. No, no, this is, no, no, uh, no, 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 not no, not Indian, American Indian, like Indian, like Native American. Oh, she was. Well, she might. I mean, if you t- talk to Dan Calloway, what's, her, what's, her, but what's her name again? Guess. What's her name again? Uh, Kristen. Uh, uh, what is her? I had it here. Just look up Department DOJ Civil yeah. Rights. Kristen Clark. Hold on, Kristen Clark. That's it. And I think she's from Jamaica. Oh no, I'm no. I'm sorry. I'm, th- I'm thinking of someone else. Yes, I have seen her, and she is indeed uh, Jamaican. Yes, and well, she's, she's, her. she's American, but her parents are from Jamaica. They immigrated. R- correct, correct. Yeah. Well, she's similar to Kamala Harris in, in that way, where she's Jamaican by. Yes, um, and, I, and I remember, I remember yeah. seeing her, and she was talking some smack. I'm like, what's this we business? <laughs> oh well, well since you want to go there, let's go ahead and go ahead and get into the clip then, because she she throws a doozy out here. Okay which is one small step forward in terms of healing, just recognizing and acknowledging this brutal tragedy. We've got to remember that Mr. Blake is a human being. He is a father. He is a son. He is the descendant of a family that has literally committed itself to our nation's civil rights movement. His own grandfather... Dog whistle. No kidding. Y'all want to talk dog whistles? No kidding. He's a descendant? And you gotta remember this, this was during the election time this when was she was actually genius. before she 
before she got her uh, appointment. Um, so she's out there caping hard for the, the administration too because she knew she, she had something coming out of the gig. Yeah, I got a gig coming up. So you did we just we rewind that a little bit. Yeah, she he's the descendant. Interesting word she chose there. He is a father. He is a son. He is the descendant of a family that has literally committed itself to our nation's civil rights movement. His own grandfather marched in the days after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. And so Mr. Biden's actions today most certainly humanize Mr. Blake. Uh, But what we need now is justice. What we need now are officers who will be held accountable for the harm done to Mr. Blake. We need officers to be held accountable for the countless shootings of unarmed African Americans. This is a crisis that is ripping at the soul of our Mm -hmm. nation and we need national leaders who will turn a blind eye to this and who will acknowledge the bitter, uh, harmful racism underlying the police violence that we are seeing tearing communities apart in our country right now. Wow. Also worth noting that Joe Biden, his remarks did indeed say that institutional racism is a thing, and he directly connected it to the incident in Kenosha that has left Jacob Blake Jr. in a hospital bed. Kristen Clark of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, thanks very much. Oh, my goodness. So that's her before she got her gig, so you know she was out there caping hard. Uh, yeah, and throwing around the descendant word, how convenient. Um, uh, that's kind of thing. They 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 know what time it is. They mm. know what's going on. They know what the the, the talking points are. <clears throat> and it's amazing that she used that word because I thought uh, Ados were black bot Russian bots. Excuse me. So <laughs> to throw that word around, you might get yourself on the list there, Kristen. But you I'll know, say this. I, I, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say no, I, go ahead, go ahead. I, I get into trouble with people um, because I'll say. <laughs> I, I do, you know, and and yeah, usually it winds up with me having to explain ADOS. And I'll say, this woman mm-hmm. has no business talking like this. Uh, you know, she really doesn't, at least not with the attitude that she's, that, like, she's a part of this and that she, you know, she understands he's... By the way, I am actually a descendant of uh, of people who uh, were active in civil rights. You know, mm-hmm. my, my great uncle uh, painted John Brown in the murals uh, on the wall in... Uh, uh, in Kansas, at the Capitol, it's like that's how stupid it is what this woman is saying. And what that this just they had they had nothing to say, so they the, Kamala did the same thing yeah. that they just had to fill up space with just rambling. But when I say those trying, things, then I get into trouble. People say, "But that's that's really racist that you say that because she's because of her color, because of her color of her skin." But you can't identify um, separate groups within, you know, that's kind of like lumping uh, uh, Asians with white. And with with Chinese and say, oh, he's Asian. Asians with whites? Well, no, I just say within intra. intra, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Japanese, Korean, uh, Chinese, all the same. Yeah. That's basically what they're saying. (laughs) So that's highly offensive yes that's my people. point that's my point that's I, I understand i totally get your point and i'm just gonna highlight it even further that's like saying uh <laughs> we want somebody to speak on indian relations <laughs> he's chinese bring him on he's chinese we have somebody here representing the uh asian americans <laughs> and it's like what <laughs> i mean because like, you could be conf- from kazakhstan or wherever and be considered an asian 
I'm, uh, it's, it's, yes, you, you might even be considered Chinese. It, it just looking at you if you're from Kazakhstan. Right. So that's the, that's where it's offensive that, and, and the other part is, I'm just going to say this and people can get frustrated with me. It's amazing how these super woke women, Kamala Harris and Kristen, her, uh, I forget her name, last name again. Clark. Yeah, but they're married to these oppressive white men <laughs> that they speak so bad of. I don't understand. They found the only good ones. How does that work? They, yeah, that's that right. To they, me. they took them. There's none left. Oh, and Don Lemon too. Excuse me. Don't let, let, me, let me not forget Don Lemon as well. But it's amazing how they got here and vilify the same people and then go and lay down beside the person or a group of people that you're vilifying. That I don't, I don't understand that yeah. mindset you're not in the mass formation so you see right through it this is how the emperor has no clothes thank goodness i'm, thank goodness. Uh, I'm not part of that uh-huh. so we're gonna wrap this we're gonna have an early donation segment so this is gonna be the last clip of this block uh just because how i wanted to break the show up but this is the final outcome of whether jacob blake was uh the officers were charged or not in the jacob blake situation we're going to turn now to the fallout after the Kenosha District Attorney announced he will not charge any of the police officers involved in the shooting of Jacob Blake this summer. Alex Perez is in Kenosha with the latest for us. Good morning, Alex. Hey, good morning, Robin. Things are peaceful here overnight, but the city of Kenosha remains under an emergency declaration. Some 500 National Guardsmen have been activated. Jacob Blake's family calls the prosecutor's decision unjust. No justice! No peace! Overnight, demonstrators taking to the streets in Kenosha, Wisconsin. After prosecutors announced they are declining to charge the officer who shot Jacob Blake seven times last August, saying that after pouring through some 40 hours of video and 1,500 pages of reports, the evidence did not support charges. No Kenosha law enforcement officer in this case will be charged with any criminal offense. This disturbing video of the incident back on August 23rd sparked days of protest. Police were responding to a domestic dispute call from Blake's girlfriend. Blake, who was paralyzed in the shooting this morning, is still recovering. His family frustrated with the prosecutor's decision to not press charges. We, the Blake family, are asking this city, this county, this state, and this nation to rise up in a non-violent uprising to let our friends and family know there's a new sheriff in town. And the teenager who is accused of killing two people during protests here last summer, Kyle Rittenhouse, was arraigned in court. He pleaded not guilty to all charges. Once again, the timing. Beautiful. Like we couldn't get the cops. <laughs> we couldn't get the cops, but we got Kyle, so don't 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 worry about it. Um and and who's this new sheriff in town thing? Yeah, was that? that was interesting. It was also like don't don't be violent about the new sheriff in town. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, I thought it's once again, because they knew is isn't this the same uh justice department, whatever you call it locally, the the, the district attorney or whatever. The same one decided not to charge uh, the cops. Charge Kyle. So they're like, wait, wait, we might, we might get Kyle. So don't, don't go too crazy just yet. Is how I interpret that. Uh, I think if you look at the timeline, that's completely acceptable. Yeah. So I, I just, I, we saw the Jacob Blake situation. We knew what time it was. We were like, nah. He had seven shots. That's a bit much. 
Um, but you, you also were out of line in the way you were carrying on. And then as you heard, like it was part of domestic dispute and really none of it was um, good. None of it was good for right. the optics. We, we had some headlines. We had to move on. Yeah. We, we had other things to get to. So that's why they kind of pivoted over to the George Floyd thing. And like, we'll catch this on the backside in November. So, <laughs> so that was, that was the plan. <laughs> well, um, well executed so far. Yeah, I mean, they they had a bigger plan. You could tell the way they handled this, but I just wanted to point out and bring back to people's um, memory how disingenuous the the uh, politicians and the media was. But I have to give media credit. At least they tried with this one. Um, <laughs> they they at least they did. tried to say, "Well, I don't know about that one," but but I like but the levers they pull, and I, and I mm-hmm. and I just have to say, like you, I think we see it the same way. The levers are getting pulled, man. It's not that hard. It's only six CEOs you got to talk to. Uh, it's very simple. Yeah. It's very <laughs> the levers get pulled, and one after another. Let's do this then. That's not working. Chunk, chunk. And since you, before we get into the donation segment, since you throw the psyop out there, I just have this. I have no proof. This is completely speculation. Completely speculation. But could this be a whole distraction from from the whole coof situation unraveling? Um. Well, MS stands for Microsoft. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> MSNBC, and they've been the ones on the the tip of the spear pushing this uh, confusion. At the same time, nobody really wants to talk about what's going on on the coof side of things. So I just wanted to throw it out there as a could this be a distractionary measure? And race is the perfect uh, distraction to I, do I th- it with. I, yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's an easy fallback. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It. Uh, I think this is more planned than uh, than we realized. This was not necessarily just it. It, it works out perfectly, but I would, I don't know if it's necessarily a distraction. This this was well executed. This timeline, and that's the, that's the piece that was kind of missing for me because I was paying attention to other things. This timeline shows me how well done this is. Yeah, and in that timeline, if you have some other nuggets you wanted to hide in the news, now is the time well, to the, drop it because it, it'll be in the third, fourth block segment. Like, exactly. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is this we is found like out a, breakout cases are more, <laughs> are more. But don't don't pay attention to that. Look look at the. Uh, this is like. Uh, do you watch Succession? I do not. I haven't started watching it yet. Okay. Uh, anyway, this is like the Christmas tree. It's like everyone can hang their shit on it, except, you know, not not for display, but just like, oh, just stick it here in the branches. So as this thing goes off to the burning pile, then uh, no one sees what's going on. Oh, OK. I see. I see what you're saying. I mean, that's the kind of, that's kind of what the point I'm trying to make as yeah. well. This it's a good you know masking mechanism to yes. say, well, we told you <laughs> we told you, <laughs> but you were paying attention to something else. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, here's the story. Time. Here's the story. I told you I published it. Uh huh. Right. Right. We talked about it. You know, yeah. you just didn't pay attention <laughs> yeah. to it. So. Mm-hmm, it's your fault. I guess it's time to thank the people that make this possible. First, um, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. That's the only way that they'll ever do it. That's right. In those wise words from Malcolm, it's what we do. Before we thank our uh, producers for this episode, I think we, we need to get real, Mo. We need, mm-hmm. need to get real. Uh, things are changing in your situation, so we're going to need a lot of support to grow 
the uh, the reach. I don't. I'm just grow shows, but I want more people to hear this. I want more people to uh, uh, to get clued in. I think this is really important work that we're doing, and we need as much support as we can get. It's a value for value model, uh, which we've said from day one, uh, which we've kept to, which means there's no advertising, there's no creepy corporate money or anything. It is purely the people who want this content and this and and quite honestly, uh, I I want to see you grow, Mo. I want to see you grow outside mm-hmm. of, you know, the, I, I love what you're doing with YouTube Live, and I just want to get as much support as possible. That isn't just monetary. You know, the value for value model is, uh, in its essence, what value did you get out of this show? What kind of, what number can you attach to that and send that to us? You know, maybe it's a college degree for you. Maybe it's uh, just, uh, you know, as good as something from the root. I don't know. <laughs> or from the, the griot. Maybe not. Maybe we're like Charlemagne. <laughs> so then, you know, like five bucks. But it doesn't matter. It's it's what is what is value to you. Uh, but we say time, talent, and treasure. And I think uh, it's time for people to, uh, if possible, if you've got some skills that you can spare to help us out. And uh, you want to talk about some of that stuff, Mo? Yeah, you might be heavy on time, but light on treasure. <laughs> yes, it happens said, yeah. these days, yes. Yeah, with the uh, whole mandate situation, you might be in the same boat that I am in. Like I said, heavy on time and light on treasure, but please send us that time. I mean, it's a lot of talented people that uh, w- may have a lot of time on their hands. And I'm going to say this, doing this has kept me from thinking about you know, the other situations. So it might be helpful to, uh, you know, everyone as well to kind of keep their minds off of things to stay busy doing, you know, something, you know, productive with their time. But that's a good more point. That's, that's such a good point. You know, you and I talked the other day and it was kind of the first mm-hmm. day that you, you, you weren't talking to the office, right? Right. Right. And, it's, and, 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 you know, go ahead. It's my personal great reset. Yeah. This is, this is, that's how I, I, I term it is that, uh, I cleared all my work stuff off my schedule and filled it back up with uh, um, the show and other products I want to work on and talking to uh, um, people are already coming through with the talent uh, value uh, and saying, hey, I can help you with this. I can help you with that. And you be art, websites, uh, yeah. just anything, uh, sharing it. Uh, so I would like to give a shout out to one person that is on the lives and the um, uh, and on the uh, lost tapes, his name is Deep Impression, and he comes in every show. And hey, like, subscribe, like, subscribe, constantly putting comments in the live chat. Nice. That kind of stuff matters. Nice. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge action, but anything that helps. And like I said, it'll help yourself as well. Oh, he, 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 he needs a wusa. Of, he needs a wusa. Yeah, can we get him one? Yeah, with a goat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So. That kind of thing. You'd be amazed how much value in other ways. The monetary is important too. Yes. Uh, please send your cash. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to start off with uh, our top donor for uh, episode number 71. Shot caller, 20 inch blades on the Impala. $200 from Kenneth Daigle. I think I'll pronounce it. Uh, we appreciate that, Kenneth. And Kenneth says, Love what you're doing. Now that I might not get fired from the mandates, <laughs> um, we're happy for you. I feel free enough to donate. Donate finally. I sometimes stream on YouTube with my real name, but enter the chat under Starfish Prime. Keep up the great work. Mm-hmm. It says Starfish Prime. Google it. Have you Googled Starfish Prime? I have not yet, but I will. You're going to do that for sure. 
Philip Brown, 17171. There you go. That's a donation for a show episode. Mm-hmm. And Philip says, Going Postal originates from the 1986 Edmond Post Office Massacre. Yes, we were talking yes, we about ta- that. Yeah. We talked about it on the Lost Tapes. And if you're not listening to the Lost Tapes... Then you're missing out. Then you're lost. You're a you're, Lost Tape. <laughs> you miss it half of your value. I mean, because we do, we schedule it like this because it's so much down the rabbit hole that that allows us to get the visual aspect and other things in that you just can't do through audio... And I, I hate it leaving so much on the table, but it keeps the show you, concise time-wise. See, Mo, when you thing. listen to Mo Facts, it's like a, a, a nice doobie. You just chill and listen <laughs> to all this stuff. And then you go to the Lost Tapes. It's like, here, have some acid. All right, let's go. <laughs> all the way down. And it's acid with friends because they're like the fact <laughs> family is over there. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Philip ends with the 73s for us. Uh, K15 November Tango Yankee. 73s. A little ham radio. That's how old I am, kids. Okay. David Keyes, $100. Uh, which biography do you re- recommend about Malcolm X? Dave wants the to Alex know. Alex Haley. Alex Haley. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, thank you, David. Sylvana Gentile, uh, $100 from Sylvana. And no note, though. Thank you very much, Sylvana. Mike, Mike Bryan, also $100. In the morning, gentlemen. This is long overdue. Uh, so let me get the D dead beating out of the way. Of course. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Mo, uh, Mike says, the work you're doing with this show is worth far more than the paltry Franklin I can send you today, but I can guarantee it will not be the last. After hearing what your work is putting you through from the last episode, if they end up letting you go, they're losing more than you are in the, than you in the trans than you are in the transaction. No kidding. You have a bright future as far as I can see, and I'll be pitching in my shekels when I can along the way. I'd like a biscuit for my birthday. Yay. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. And that was November 20th, and a powerful Mo Karma for all the facts family. Thanks for the works, guys. Uh, Sir Mike of the Rising Elevator. And uh, we certainly appreciate that, man. <laughs> You've got Mo Karma. I agree. And, you know, this is, you know, it's tragic. Uh, because uh, I receive probably five, sometimes ten emails a day of people talking mm-hmm. about um, uh, leaving their job because they have to, because they, uh, and it's all about mandates. Um, but I would say most of them are kind of like you also, you know, like, hey, this is a personal reset. I can do something else now. And I'm, I'm capable. And these people mm-hmm. are losing out. And they are. It's very encouraging. It's it's also kind of uniquely American, I think. And I think that's the they call it the great resignation, and I don't like that because it makes it seem. I hate that term because they make it seem like it's voluntary. No, right? A lot no, of no, it's not voluntary. You're not gonna lump us in with the people that just chose not to go to work. I don't. Yeah. I don't like that. You're term. so <laughs> correct on that. That's jeez. We're the great. We're the great reset generation. The GRG. Love it. So. <laughs> Colin Preston also comes in with a hundy. Love you guys. Love the show. Cheers. Uh, P.S. He says, off topic, as a fellow NFL fan, do you think that the game is rigged? (laughs) Yes. Do you want this to be just a quick answer, or do you want to do a whole episode about it? I'll give them a quick one. I think they nudge situations because it is a business at the end of the day, but I don't think it's rigged because they have too much at stake monetarily with the gambling situation. So they definitely wouldn't put that at risk by 
by straight out fixing games. That that's my short. All right. Uh, we got a eight oh oh eight a boob donation from Tigo Bitties <laughs> from uh, Ogfomp Arts O G F O M K uh, Arts or O G F O M K Arts. Mm, I don't know. Ogfomp doesn't Ogfunk doesn't sound right. Anyway, mm-hmm. thank you, Mo and Adam. Your show is outstanding. I'll try to share with anyone who will listen. Bitcoin is the way to end fiat earthers. Hell yeah. Oh, that's another thing we're going to do. Uh, we'll set up some QR uh, codes for Bitcoin donations. Um, and we'll I'll talk about value for value apps in a moment. But we are going to set that up. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd, $80. Mo Fax is the fax machine. Appreciate you and Adam. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Anthony DeLuca, 7779. Let's see if we can figure out what that number is about. Howdy, MoFax. Adam, your show is tremendous, and it's about time I sent in some value. Mo, I dig your live shows as well, and as it turns out, I'm donating here before I hit no agenda. (laughs) I'd rather be a douchebag than a deadbeat, but I intend on providing other resources of value to both of you. For example, I'm open to getting my advertising network federated, but but would like more info first. At least I'd like to do a write-up for both of your shows. I'm taking things one step at a time as I work on changing the advertising paradigm. Whoa. Please do consider reaching out to discuss more. Keep it the great work. And please look into the connection between uh, Biden writing the Patriot Act and his son's investment in uh, Facebook, I guess. I think that's what that may have been, I think. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Antone Dope Logic. Well, um... Interesting. This is that talent treasure. I mean, talent value. We're talking exactly. About. Well, whatever you can do, man. We're we're open <laughs> open to anything. Obviously, we won't do advertising. But uh, if there's any way that uh, you can advertise us on your network, that sounds like a good idea. And appreciate the support. Seventy one seventy one show donation. Jonathan Peckham says, "Hey, I didn't get D deadbeated the first time around. Let, let me fix that for you." Congratulations. You're no longer. A deadbeat. Has requested, and he also wants a biscuit for his, uh, for a little biscuit for his birthday, and a goat karma. They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. <laughs> You've got. <laughs> Raymond Barry show number donation seventy one dollars. Sir Vegas Ray Night of the Naked City. This is my fourth podcast I've listened to, so I guess I'm no longer a deadbeat. Well, I, I think I agree with you. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. I appreciate the work that you and Adam do. Keep up the outstanding work. Could I get a Mo Karma? Thanks again, Sir Vegas Ray. You bet, Sir Vegas Ray. You've got Mo Karma. 71 from Genovate Corporation. Hmm. Seems That's an interesting name. <laughs> yes, I have to look that one up. Uh, seems like hypothetical Joe Katz has gotten the sign to go full-time truth reveal since now he has a bunch of hypothetical unvaxxed time on his hands. Mm-hmm. Joe Katz? Oh, Joe. Old Joe? Yeah. Joe Katz. Hypothetically, Joe Katz was uh, separated from his uh, occupation last show. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, okay. Oh, I do too many podcasts. Okay, got it. <laughs> I, I, I thought we'd be spelled with a K, but that's cool. Yeah, too. no, uh, that's probably what threw me off. I got that's it. That's what okay. threw you off. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Uh, sounds like the corporation was a bad employer, hypothetically speaking. Yeah. We wanted to say thank you to both of you for all the great work. We've been listening since episode 28 and wanted to give you some value. This is our first contribution, so can you please de-deadbeat us, and can we get a Mo Karma and a Woosa? Happy Thanksgiving from the Fluffy Bottoms Farm in Texas Hill Country. Yeah, you bet. That's very cool. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. Woosa. 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 You've got Mocom. Hey, the Fluffy Bottoms Farm. What do they? Uh, what do, What do they have on their farm? I, the fluffy Bottoms. I no, I mean I don't mean it that. What you grow? No, I mean ob- obvious. <laughs> I just want to find out what uh, if they have beef or uh, what do they have? They got chickens. Oh, they have everything. Sustainable, they? yeah, it's sustainable farm uh, located in beautiful hill country, town of Driftwood, Texas. Yeah, that's uh, not far from here. Sixteen chickens, donkeys, oh tasty, Nigerian dwarf goats, <laughs> donkey, black Hawaiian lamb. Holy crap! What do they do with this? I get they do eggs. I guess animals. Uh, hmm. Okay. Well, this sounds fun. I guess you can get eggs and go pet the goat. Nice. Well, we appreciate that, and we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look more into that because I love going to farms, and you're not that far away. Cool. That's your neighbor. Hey, you know, you gotta know farmers. That's the only way to survival. For God knows what's coming. Uh, Stephen Schnelker, seventy-one dollars. All he says is thanks. We thank you, Stephen. Eric P, sixty dollars. No note, but much appreciated. Zach Welch, uh, fifty-five dollars, and says, "Is Dvorak buying it?" <laughs> Can I get a biscuit? They always give me a biscuit on my birthday. <laughs> Inside joke. Appreciate it, Jack. Zach. Cook comes in with $50 and says, I'd like to request a D dead beating and a Mo Karma. Keep up the amazing work as you and the No Agenda world have awakened me from the Matrix. Congratulations. You're no longer a deadbeat. You've got... Thank you, Douglas Mook, for your $50 support. Uh, Terry Kobielka uh, says, My last donation timed out as the daughter of a Vietnam vet, uh, volunteer, 17 years old. I appreciate your perspective and comment in the last episode that I'm finishing up this evening. Thank you for helping with my sanity perspective. Uh, I'm all with the Vax Draft. (laughs) Keep it up. (laughs) I also make t-shirts, stickers in my spare time and have a few design ideas. Here we go. I want to share once I put them together. Thank you. Uh, From TP. Oh, yes, please. That's exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. You know, no agenda. We did a lot of sticker campaigns. And people still like it. Especially for their laptops, and it's a, and that it's like one of those things. And if you have a cool sticker, they'll go, "What is that?" Oh, it's a podcast. You know, especially for your traffic keeper. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan Summer fifty dollars says, "I got off a cross country fight, and the latest episode made the time fly by." Oh, so I figured it was time to send another donation. I feel like we are kindred spirits. I'm currently approaching Vax Ultimatum to return to the office in January, even though I have been working remote since the pandemic started with no drop-off in production. I'm in the process of trying to secure a religious exemption, even though I don't feel good about the essay I had to write about my strongly held beliefs. It's actually, I think, unconstitutional that they ask you to do that. 
Mm-hmm. I do have religious objections as a Christian, but that's definitely not my only objection to mandates. I wish I was a little stronger like you and just said no. If they try to deny my exemption, I'll just be saying no and we'll figure it out from there. I have a six-year-old who will not who will not be getting vaccinated and living in California. I'm sure that will eventually lead to another big decision to make. Stay strong, brother. Keep churning out the great content, Ryan in Stevenson's Ranch. And I want to make sure that that everyone understands. I think you know Mo will agree. Your decisions are your decisions. We support you either way. Um, and uh, you can be strong if you want to be strong. You can. You can do it. But don't feel bad if you make another choice. Can I speak on this right quick? Please. Just for one second. Please. For me, and I think you're the same way, we're pro-choice. A person should have the choice with what they do. If you want to get uh, vaccinated, that's your choice. The problem where it comes in is when you take people's choice away. And that's the only thing we're seeing. And with a lot of people, Right. And a lot of people have taking the vax and willing to take the boosters but still respect the people's fact that don't want to take it see this this does not get into that binary situation exactly. it should be pro this change the argument or discussion from pro-vax anti-vax to pro-choice anti-choice and i think it'll make for a better conversation yeah so you don't have to apologize to us i guess is what i'm not saying at all. no yeah, exactly but um you know be true to yourself uh, and to round it out for our, uh, and I should say that these are associate executive producers. Uh, the previous, uh, uh, previous up to a hundred dollars were executive producers. Sorry for not mm-hmm. mentioning that. Uh, James Carter at fifty dollars. Y'all keep it up. Is there any correlation of Poppy Bush's death, the onset of this fentanyl epidemic, and our withdrawal from Afghanistan? <laughs> uh, I would think. I would think so. I mean, you can see it as that they lost a business venture. <laughs> due to counterfeit yes I, w- I would say there's one other thing but it's a mm-hmm. it's a longer story i think that uh the wrap-up of the um oxycontin uh situation with the fines for the sacklers with, by the way johnson and johnson four times as bad today cvs uh walgreens and uh one more uh, we're all uh, found guilty of, in essence, p- being drug dealers, handing out pills. Um, and you know now that the hammers come down, it's harder for people to get their pills. You create demand, and then you kill Poppy Bush. <laughs> you get out, get out of <laughs> Afghanistan, keep CIA there to fly the ship back. Yeah, uh, yes. So answer is yeah. I think there's probably a correlation. Worse for me. <laughs> hey, thank you to these executive and associate executive producers. I really appreciate the support you've given us so far. Let's crank it up a notch and let's uh, really grow this. We don't have the skills or the time or the uh, the finances to do the things that we want to do. So we're going to uh, depend on you for as much as your time, talent, and treasure that you have so we can grow this out as big as possible. Go to mofax.com. You can uh, click on the donate uh, link there. Or go directly to the donate page at MoFundMe, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E dot com. Or use a podcasting 2.0 app. Um, uh, you're all going to have to move to this eventually, either because uh, the dollar won't be worth as much or or won't be as stable, or the deplatforming, uh, financial deplatforming just gets too crazy. All of that can happen. Uh, so learning how to use Bitcoin eventually this is a fun way to do it. 
Uh, you can start with just a couple dollars just to figure it out. Get a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. Uh, follow the instructions. If you don't understand it, hit me up or reach out to the developer. Uh, it's the future of value for value. It's the future of decentralized media. A lot more to come. Very excited to be a part of this with you as well, Mo. And thanks, everybody, for producing Episode 71 of Mo Facts with Adam Curry. <clears throat> so now we got to get back into the timeline. And... um. This is a longer clip. You can stop it whenever you like. But in the timeline, it's like almost 2 minutes and 30 seconds. So I I, I hope that you do stop it from time to time. But this covers from their first interaction with Kyle and the the first uh, person that he shot down to the final person that he shot. So it's a whole, their whole rendition of what happened. And once again, this is ABC News. So you can stop it whenever you like. If it's some points that you want to okay. uh, address. So you can go ahead and bring in the clip now. At 10.04 p.m., a video shows a group of armed men protecting a car shop at the corner of 59th and Sheridan. And One young man... Well, just stop it right here. And I, uh, knew- ju- <laughs> <laughs> I should have did an over-under. <laughs> I mean, how many seconds was it? Let me see. It was... Uh, I was actually rubbing my eye, too. It would have been... It was eight seconds in, so it didn't take me long. Yes, I do like the dramatization of it. It's uh, already the soundscape. The mix is beautiful. Uh, I like the voice they chose for this uh, innocent girl. The whole thing Mm -hmm. is it's working for me. I think this is outstanding on the propaganda scale. In a green t-shirt and backwards baseball cap says, A little over an hour later, protesters gathered at an ultimate gas station at 60th and Sheridan. We see a man who appears to be Joseph Rosenbaum, one of the shooting victims, clash with armed men, also gathered. Back at the car shop at 59... Wow, they really did the sound editing, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, this is good. Did they switch to vi- the video when they did, when you heard that as well? Did you, they, yes. They pop in, you see angry men. Oh, this is good. Yes. Yeah, this is good. With armed men also gathered. Back at the car shop at 59th and Sheridan, the same young man who appears to be Kyle Rittenhouse can be seen asking law enforcement for water. And the officers can be heard speaking to the group. We appreciate you guys, we really do. At 11.40... (laughs) It's so funny. I love not seeing the video. Because what I expected, you know, officers can be seen talking to the group. What I expect Mm -hmm. is... A bunch of cops saying, hey, guys, you know, uh, let's keep it calm tonight. No, instead it's like, citizen, citizen, over citizen. That's not officers talking to them. <laughs> That's not the right. same thing. That is not community policing. Officers can be heard speaking. Sorry. And why you got to stop? I just want to make the point how they said, like, the cops gave Kyle water. Like, you're saying, like, he's in a timeout break. It's like, here you go. Here yeah, here's Sunday. Here's Kid Kyle. You yeah. know what You can go back in a minute. You saying, yeah, hydrated yeah. For, what you, for your killing. For your killing spree. <laughs> That's right. And the officers can be heard speaking to the group. We appreciate you guys. We really do. <laughs> At 11.48 p.m., gunshots ring out. Those are gunshots down there. First four bursts, Uh-oh. then three. A man who police identified as Rittenhouse runs across the parking lot of an auto service shop, followed by a shirtless man who was later identified as Joseph Rosenbaum. Moments later, shots ring out.
and the shirtless man falls to the ground. A figure who appears to be Rittenhouse continues running. Seconds later, he comes back into view, and bystanders arrive to help the victim. Rittenhouse can be seen standing by the body, making a phone call. As more people arrive, he runs away out of frame, and someone seems to be heard saying, I shot somebody. At 11.49, multiple videos show Rittenhouse running down the street as a pursuer tries to hit him. Rittenhouse is being chased by several people when he appears to stumble and fall to the ground. While on the ground, police say he fires at least four shots, striking two people. Anthony Huber is shot and lies motionless in the street. Gage Grosskreutz is shot in the arm and appears to be holding a- Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I mean, we weren't going to go through uh, the details of this, but they just, they had a lot of detail, and then all of a sudden they skip over a guy kicking him in the face, skateboard, gun, pointing at him. No skateboard, no no chase. It's just Kyle just took off running. They just It's like they compressed that into five seconds. Right. So that's why I wanted to play this just so we could get the context of how the media sold the situation. Um, Like I said, they just glossed over everything. The whole key points. The whole key points of the case. Exactly. So we could continue on. (laughs) Wow. At 11.49, multiple videos show Rittenhouse running down the street as a pursuer tries to hit him. Rittenhouse is being chased by several people when he appears to stumble and fall to the ground. While on the ground, police say he fires at least four shots, striking two people. Anthony Huber is shot and lies motionless in the street. Gage Grosskreutz is shot in the arm and appears to be holding a handgun according to the criminal complaint. Rittenhouse gets up and runs down the street as police arrive at the scene. People in the crowd can be heard yelling. Rittenhouse raises his hands while his rifle hangs around his torso and a number of police vehicles drive past him. He walks towards a squad car which is parked near the First United Methodist Church. (laughs) This is the last time we see him on video ABC News obtained. Rittenhouse was not arrested that night in Kenosha. Ha! He got away. (laughs) Gosh. That is that's so, very you know th- there's something unique about uh, about this this podcast mm-hmm. uh, which is 100% attributable to you is you know an analysis exactly of what we just did we can only do that because we let this sit we let it marinate we you know we collect our own uh, information over time it just takes time and every other analysis that is done right at right after something has happened is mm-hmm. shit, you know, and and only only because we have waited, we wait for these things before we do a show. Is it really so clear how bad the propaganda is, uh, and just complete fake, fake news? And then let me see if I can. T- we should just have this <laughs> during a whole show. We'll have this scary. Yeah, I'm working on the theremin live. Okay. that's exactly the point though that we have to wait it's it's so you know if we were chasing numbers and chasing views and that kind of thing oh oh, the breaking news breaking news breaking news and that's why I got so frustrated with everybody's 
analysis like, oh, they they just got, oh, I'm a lawyer now and I'm just going to, oh, did you see that? And look at this and, and just using all it. No. Let's yeah. Oh, up. no. It's Let's a, see what we're fed. No. <laughs> and then we'll process what we're being fed and see if it makes sense or not. That, <laughs> that's <laughs> where you. that's where everyone comes from. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, um, you want to give me what you heard? I mean, let's stop. Let's stop right there. I'm going to tell you what some people thought, and then we'll go. Oh no, I, I can. I can uh, okay, go. Well, do you want to? Mm, I don't know what because I we're probably no, going to say the by, same what thing. What I mean by not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go point by point. No, just I'm that clip. Go just by it, what the the narrative was. Oh, I I know exactly what the narrative was. You, let me go ahead. I, I, I just uh, humor me, and then I'll tell you if this guy you, just if, started if shooting people. at black people. He just he the just narr- the, shooting in the shooting in the wild, uh, and killed three people. Killed two people and and blew another guy's arm up. And uh, that, that was he was just a troublemaker. The, the narrative you're close, but just a few points you missed. The narrative was Cal says I'm sick and tired of these black loud matter people. Oh yes, okay, I'm, yes. I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna All throw right. my AR in the back of my car. And get my mom to drive me across state lines <laughs> so I can shoot some black people. That that's the narrative, and the way they sold it was because a lot a lot of people I talked to. No, no, you forgot. It's shoot. Yeah. It's shoot me some black people. Yeah, shoot me some black people. <laughs> there you go. Now you've got the complete narrative. So, and then then on top of that is that he actually shot three protesters at a Black Lives Matter. Yes. Uh, okay. So I, I thought you were asking me what I heard in the clip. Yes, this narrative no. I'm of course well aware. No, so I'm just telling you that's the if you didn't weren't tapped into this case and purposely, rightfully so, they just left it vague. Man shoots, uh, kid shoots. Yeah, uh, crosses uh, state three, lines. Yeah, cross state lines with an AR-15. That's scary. Seventeen. He, yeah. Seventeen killer kid. Uh, and he goes and shoots three people at a Black Lives Matter rally. Do now, you, just by the laws and odds of it, if you hear that headline, man shoots people at Black Lives Matter rally, it's at least going to be one dead black person in there, right? Just hell by yeah. the averages of or it. Or at least someone who identifies as black. You would think so? <laughs> uh, it, is this kind of like, uh, what was the, the kid's name that sparked the 94 crime bill? Little... Uh, uh, yeah, wait, that's his... Yes. Uh, 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 um, you, ca- you caught me on the spot, but I know. As, um, little, little, li- li- little. <laughs> we're bad. People are yelling at their podcast app right now. I know. I know uh, little yummy. Little yummy. There it is. Yeah, this is kind Kyle of. Kyle Rittenhouse is the little white little yummy. He, that's yes. right. He's <laughs> the new white. He's the white little yummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is. That's exactly. Oh my God. We now have seventeen-year-old Trump supporters. <laughs> KKK but, but like they, they don't like heartless and yeah, another heartless. person they wanted they wanted to conflate him with uh dylan roof yeah the Charleston shooter yes yes there was that i forgot all about dylan that. roof did go target black people i mean like that that is a factual statement that he went to a black church to target people so they wanted that energy to roll into cow and that's that's the and george zimmerman so he's like a amalgamation of George Zimmerman and um and Dylan Ruth. That's the way they wanted to paint Kyle. Um hmm. so yeah, so that's that's but to come to find out, 
None of the people, and, and I've talked to people that said, you, you know, none of them were black, right? And they're like, word? Like, for real? <laughs> black black people? They, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the, in the Dutch Dutch newspapers, Kyle Rittenhouse, who uh, who shot three uh, black uh, black protesters. And it's in the newspaper. Black Lives Matter, the la- Lives Matter just drop out and now yeah, it's black protesters. Just bla- yeah, but it's exactly. easy to do. Yes. It's easy to do mentally. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, to- it's it's not it's not a it's not a it just but I believe that this did open up a small crack, a little wedge, and a number of people. I even saw what's her name from Young Turks. Oh, Anna Anna Kasparian. Anna. Yes. She if Tina showed this to me. She uh-huh. she did a whole thing, you know. I was really wrong, and when I saw this live trial, I, I, I thought that these were black people that he shot. Said I was really wrong. I have to reevaluate my sources. That was big of her, man. Now, what we have to do is juxtapose what we just heard in the Jacob Blake situation, where they went over every fine to every detail with fine teeth to look for a reason for the cop not to be justified, and then the vagueness of the cow situation. Yeah, and and it's. Sick. It's sick is what it is. It's sick. Well, we have to ask the question, why do you want to manipulate me? People need to start asking that question. What do they get out of manipulating me? Uh, and they want an outrage. But I, I, I don't know. So let's get into who the victims were. Three shootings, two of them dead. <laughs> These are the men shot by Kyle Rittenhouse the night of August 25th, 2020 in Kenosha. 17 at the time, Rittenhouse claims he shot the protesters in self-defense. A jury will have to listen to testimony and watch reels of video evidence before deciding. 36-year-old Joseph Rosenbaum, who prosecutors say was unarmed, was the first man shot by Rittenhouse, seen here in video edited and released by Rittenhouse's defense team. Rosenbaum, from Texas, was living in Kenosha. Friends called him Jojo. He had a daughter and fiancé. As Rittenhouse took off down Sheridan Road, Rittenhouse falls to the ground, shoots and misses one man, then Anthony Huber uses his skateboard and tries to take Rittenhouse's gun. He ran up on somebody with an assault rifle. <laughs> well, that was blatant. <laughs> How do you try to take a gun with a skateboard? I mean, like he comes rolling in on the skateboard. I, well, I know what happened. This was but, interesting because yeah. in the trial itself, the way the prosecution tried to sell this was by saying they thought he was an active shooter, and mm-hmm. and any everybody was doing anything they could to bring down the active shooter, which. It was an interesting take, uh, but that's not how active shooters work. Active shooters shoot. <laughs> they, mm. they don't like aim and not aim. They they shoot indiscriminately, and they'll empty a magazine and put in another one, and you know that kind of stuff. But that was uh, that was clearly they were trying to manipulate what happened there. And the skateboard and, I can and, see and, some- and the yeah, skateboard. Right. I should say I've seen enough videos. Look, when I was a kid, I was a fervent skateboarder. I can still wake surf, and I still got my balance. I can still do some things. Uh, my insurance company won't let me do it anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but we never use the skateboard as a weapon, and it's a weapon. I see people beating people with skateboards all day long. There's a famous movie uh, or pop uh, culture uh, cult classes, what they call them, called Kids. 
And one of the most famous scenes from it is a man getting beat almost to death with a skateboard. So a skateboarder can definitely be a weapon. Oh, yeah. But it's just the way they said that. Like, he tried to disarm him with the skateboard. Like, you could take that as, like, he came skating in and did, like, a, you know, a... a 360. You know, and a, and a, yeah, and a kick like flip. a kick push kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? What, yeah. do you, what do you mean he tried to... No, he tried to whack him over the head. And maybe that dude thought he was an active shooter, but he made the wrong call. Yeah. I mean, you don't run towards... You don't, yeah, you don't run toward an active shooter. I mean, you can, if I have a gun, maybe. But uh, you, as they always say, he brought a skateboard to a gunfight. <laughs> and it's, that's a, that's a bad idea. Now, we've talked about the, the, the you know, uh, Kyle. But let's talk about the men that were out there that got shot. They don't want to talk about their arrest records. We can get into, if you want to, a little bit, but. This is that third wave I was telling everybody about uh, when we talked about the George Floyd. Yeah, and the, I think uh, I think situation. we. Yeah, I think you do need to get into this. And it's important that I, we get into their backgrounds because it is the third wave. So you right. just do a little recap. Okay, so the first wave is the activists. They come out there. Okay, so you have an event happen, a shooting like Jacob Blake or whatever. The first wave are your activists, and they come out there and they get people all charged up with the chants and the. You know, uh, no you know, justice, kind no of, peace. Right, no justice, no peace. That kind of thing. Then nightfall comes. Second wave comes in. Those are your uh, agent provocateurs. Those are the ones that actually break the glass. They with the umbrellas and the and the glass breaking devices. Right, because once you break that glass, as we talk about, you know, saying a lot on this show is once the glass breaks, it's kind of metaphorical or representative of civility breaking. And once that glass breaks. And nightfall comes, here comes the third wave, which I said were criminals. Now, it just so happens Rosenbaum or whatever his name is, I, I, I mispronounced it, but the first uh, Jojo. 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 Uh, yeah, and ain't that nice? They just call him just Jojo. Oh, oh, oh yeah. poor Jojo. Oh, yeah. It's like, what? Oh, um, yeah. So, Jojo, he's out front um, with the bag. With his personal effects is is a clear sign that you just been released from some some kind of facility or jail mm. or whatnot. Um, and he's out there screaming, "Shoot me, n word! Shoot me, n word!" Um, I don't know. I don't you know when we start padding out passes like, and this is the dis. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but it, this is the disingenuous part I have with people that wanted to get involved in this case. When did we start passing out the N word? Yeah, as an okay thing. Just to anybody. Yeah, and I and I saw black people standing around looking at him like this dude got to be crazy. Like you're at a Black Lives <laughs> rally, um, shouting uh, "shoot me N word." Right. That's the thing to do. Uh, uh, he, yeah. Now, um, then you have the other other guys that also have criminal records and it's just it, what it seems to me is this that bail thing no bail bailing people out no cash they bail had to keep yeah no well they had to keep the the ranks full so like we need more bodies like because nobody was interested in protesting this case so now so did they just let jojo out for this you think jojo had a plastic bag with his personal effects in it you can look it up this mm-hmm. this is this is a fact he he had just been re- recently released. I don't know if it was from a medical institute or a jail, but he had just recently that day yeah, been released. But hadn't he hadn't he sodomized young boys? Wasn't that the guy? Oh, 
all. And that's what a lot of people, that's where I'm at with it. Like, oh, he shot a pedophile? Hmm? Huh? I mean, like, I know that's bad to say, but yeah. Uh, look, close the door. Kind we of gotta talk. <laughs> Can you have to do it? We got to talk. Yeah, hold talk. on a second. I, I, this is important. We have to do that. Hold on a second. Okay. Yeah. I just slammed it. There you go. Yeah, we, we have to talk. When did black folks start getting so involved in white on white crime? That that's all I'm asking. It's it just amazes me how the people are just so all broken up over JoJo. You know what I'm saying? The pedophile, not the other Joe, not Brandon, but the uh JoJo. Um <laughs> you know, he, the, the other pe- the, okay, never mind. Bad joke. I yeah, won't exactly. say. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. We, it was inferred, but you get what I'm saying. Yes, I do. But uh, um they're just so heartbroken over a one white guy shooting three other white guys. If you saw this in any, like a workplace shooting or anything else, people were like, mm, you know, this eh, that's how it goes. But now it's, they scared you to the point like, oh, he was coming to kill black people, but, you know, he didn't have a chance to. That doesn't make any sense. And the other thing that troubles me is when you have that many shots fired and you're hitting all white people maybe that's not a black lives matter rally <laughs> or maybe we need to rename it i'm just saying i'm this is just <laughs> this is just my pure uncut take on this thing and that's why i didn't get really involved in it because when i saw it, i was like hmm, well i mean it is what it is um well i knew that the, the take <laughs> the takeaway f- far beyond anything is people have an opinion Based, they're underinformed and over socialized. This is what I've always said. They have an opinion based on a headline, and they feel the necessity to let everyone know that they have this opinion or that they share the same opinion. It's it's and it's it's just based on nothing. And and hopefully enough people feel a bit ashamed about what they might have said or posted. And I also liken this to just the fact that, and we can open the door after this, yeah. is the fact that. I think people just pick sides based on race and was like, yes. okay, that white guy's bad. And I'm going to say this, Kyle does have a very punchable face. I mean, I'm just saying this as a, just, just as an observation. I mean, he, I mean, we said that in high school, like got certain guys, you just look at him like, uh, you were saying it's just something about that guy. Not to say he should be harmed, but I'm just saying that he just, he has the wrong optics or the right optics. You know, he just had that look about him. I would, uh, yeah, that's interesting because I look at him. I can, I totally understand what you're saying, and I can see that. And sometimes when he grimaces, especially if it's a picture and not video, yeah, I mean, you put the right caption under it, and you totally see that. But I also see he's, <laughs> he's just a baby. I, I also see that he's just a baby boy. Mm-hmm. So I don't punch baby boys, Mo. Yeah, I, <laughs> but like I, I said, he, your point is well made. I he has it. that face, like yeah. it's just that people just don't like him. I mean, that's what my, that's my point. Like certain it. people you see that you just don't like, and he has that look. Or I'm gonna say this: the media portrayed him in that way. Like you said, that they always called him like his lips puckered. Yes, or that's this exactly weird, it. Make, this weird face. So yes, yeah, the pictures more to, more to say. But yeah, I mean, so we can open the door now. But I, I just want to say that. <laughs> There we go. Better. It, it was a lot of fake outrage and, and a lot of Karens. It was a lot of black Karens out there. I'm just going to keep it 100. Uh, <laughs> Blarens. Oh, it's like, oh, you know, oh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, he got off. No, this is how it works as far as self-defense and, and gun rights. You heard so, you heard the Joy Reid bit, didn't you? 
I heard, yeah, yeah, I heard them all. I mean, <sighs> they they were melting down, which I'm thinking. There's rumors she's getting fired. And you know who's going to replace her? Don't tell me. Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany? Yeah, Tiffany, the one, uh, the one that does a Saturday show. The uh, other black lady on MSNBC, she she feels in for joy sometimes. Tiffany, what is her name? Oh man, you caught me off guard. No, we can look right. it up I'm, when I'm we play the clip. Tiffany but Cross. I'm telling, that's who's going to replace her. Yeah, she's a better choice because she is Ados. Yep, yep. And yep, we got yep. we got but you're going to see a lot of uh, not Ados getting people getting fired around 2022, 2024 elections. Yeah, they realize oh, that. Oh, you're so. Yes. This is that's a very good prediction. They realize <laughs> that that is not working anymore. When when guys as white as Adam Curry are falling over that, <laughs> making yes, pr- problems, yes. now it's time to change that up. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the other lady with the afro you were talking about as well. She, they they're bringing they're slowly cycling in a new new group because they they she's uh, she's a, I think she's Ados. Yeah, I believe so. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they're they're getting the B team or the yeah. the replacements ready. Yeah. So you start to see them coming out. Well, now, that's, that's good. That's, It'll that's be fresh faces. It'll be fun. Yes. It makes television interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. You want to yeah, finish this 16A clip, Mo? Yeah, let's go ahead. I, okay. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. Huber uses his skateboard and tries to take Rittenhouse's gun. He ran up on somebody with an assault rifle, dude, with nothing. Like, he was just going to tackle dude to the ground. Rittenhouse fired, killing 26-year-old Huber, who also lived in Kenosha. His girlfriend tearfully spoke with 12 News the very next day. He already killed someone. He killed someone already. And then he killed my Matt. He love of my life just ripped him away like after Huber, Gage Grosskreutz of West Dallas, in the crowd as a medic, approaches Rittenhouse, who is still on the ground. Grosskreutz is armed with a handgun. Rittenhouse shoots him in the arm. He was the lone wait, survivor. Wait, wait, what did he say? What? 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 what, 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 what you Yeah, yeah, me. Love of my life just ripped him away like. After Huber, Gage Grosskreutz of West Dallas, in the crowd as a medic, approaches Rittenhouse, who is still on the ground. Grosskreutz is armed with a handgun. Rittenhouse shoots him in the arm. He was the lone survivor. I walked away with my life that night. Two people didn't. The judge ruled prosecutors cannot call the three men shot victims, but is allowing the defense to call them looters, rioters, or arsonists if <laughs> they can prove it. Reporting, I'm Hillary Mintz, WISN, 12 News. Nice touch to say that he was a medic in the crowd. That's what they portrayed, that he was coming, he was armed. Yeah. He was but not armed. brandishing the arm. No, he, the fire he was arm. trying he to was put him on armed. equal footing with Kyle, just a medic who was armed. But and, and also there was the reason. The way I heard it was that that he was coming in to give Kyle aid. Yeah, yeah. And he and yeah. Kyle just shot. It was in such a blind rage. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was just letting it off with everybody. By the um, way, and and I I did I did say this on no agenda. I've been mm-hmm. in I've been in court several times, but the first time. Uh, and it was a civil trial. It was MTV Network suing me, and I was counter suing. And it was, it was it was interesting because I'd never been through discovery. I'd never really been to court with a judge and the whole vibe and everything. And expensive lawyers. It was kind of crazy. Uh, it was about the MTV dot com domain name. Different story. Mm-hmm. And I remember the lawyer for MTV presenting their case with the same facts that I had, and I remember sitting there going holy crap yeah if you present it that way 
I look like a total douchebag who's trying to steal from MTV, but with the same facts. And I and I and for me that was like, whoa, that's really scary stuff. That's why I was saying, Lady Justice had it had a serious upskirt yep. because people are now seeing how the sausage is made. Oh yeah, um, oh, I yeah. think it was oh, a yeah. bad idea to televise televise this trial. Because it did more harm than good to the prosecution and prosecutors across the country because now we see and and being complicit with the media to, you know, you see the people with this kind of propaganda we're hearing here and we're going to get in the next batch of clips. These next eight clips, we can kind of um, speed through because they're a segment of them that way. So it seems like a lot of clips, but it what it does is it's the prosecution's uh claims and see how they line up with the two previous clips that we heard of okay. what the media said happened. Okay, so good. this I got it. So this is going back to Nate the lawyer and he does the this is what he's great about. Um he does 50 hours in 10 minutes. So he did the 50 hours of, <laughs> nice. of court ca- Yeah, so it saves you uh, on uh you know 50 hours sure. in 10 minutes. That works for me. So what he's going to do is like I said we can play them and then talk a little bit in between them but it's just going to highlight exactly what we heard in those clips but from the prosecution's uh, uh, witnesses uh, standpoint but the first two are the opening statements one and two are the opening statements from the uh, prosecution and the defense so we can get into 17. First we'll start with the opening statements. Now opening statements are important because it allows the jury to get a preview of what each side is going to present. You get a preview of what the defense is going to present, you're going to get a preview of what the prosecution is going to present. So the state essentially painted Kyle as a vigilante and essentially said that Kyle chased down and tried to kill the victims. The defendant Kyle Rittenhouse, who was 17 years old at the time, had armed himself with an AR-15 style semi-automatic rifle loaded with 30 rounds in the magazine and using that rifle he shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum an unarmed man the shot that killed Mr. Rosenbaum was a shot to the back this occurred after the defendant chased down Mr. Rosenbaum and confronted him while wielding that AR-15 The evidence will show that the defendant fled the scene of the dead body of Joseph Rosenbaum without stopping to offer any aid whatsoever. Yeah, well, some factually incorrect things in there. You can point them out and then we can keep moving. I just Uh, want to mean that... Shot him in the back and was (laughs) chasing him. Oops, sorry. Shot him in the back and was uh, chasing him. Both not true. And then he came back to the body and made a phone call. I don't know if he was rendering aid, but he he made a phone call. I don't know who he was calling to, but... right. He, he just made it sound like he shot him and ran off into the That's night. And we're going to get, like. Like I said, but we can go ahead and move yep. to number two now. Now, the defense attorney tried to combat that by alleging that Kyle didn't chase anyone, but he was the one being chased, and he acted in self-defense. It makes no sense with what the state says about him hunting or chasing him down. He's trying to get away from the individual. You'll hear testimony, not just from Kyle Rittenhouse, but Balch, Mr. Balch, about Joseph Rosenbaum stating to Kyle and to Ryan Balch in each other's presence, if I get either of you two alone, I'm going to kill you. Flat out 
threats to murder. When Mr. Rosenbaum is shot in the car source lot three, there's been a gunshot behind Kyle. He turns to address Mr. Rosenbaum with his firearm. Mr. Rosenbaum is not deterred. He continues to run. Now, remember, arguments are not evidence. So the opening statements, you know, you can bolster a little bit. You can be a little flamboyant. But it's really going to come down to the witness. Yeah, presenting in a completely you know, different light different set so of we facts. got two total different stories and it's mm-hmm. amazing that they're explaining the same <laughs> event the way they uh the way it was uh broken down so now we get to get into the witnesses so the only thing i could pu- had to pull with the prosecution witnesses this yeah. is how bad it was <laughs> it was great uh, uh so let's go ahead and get into the first uh witness for the prosecution now obviously since the state is the one alleging that kyle did something bad they have to put on a case in chief and prove their allegations so now we turn to the state's witnesses now since this is a summary let me just tell it to you stone cold the state's witnesses have testified to these following things one that the alleged victim joseph rosenbaum chased and lunged at kyle to grab his gun well, I was behind uh, Mr. Rosenbaum, and uh, Mr. Rittenhouse was on the other side of me and Rosenbaum, and so um, they—it was clear that they, as he lunged forward, they they almost made contact. It wasn't clear if they did or not. Your, and your perception was that evening, as you watched it, he was going for the barrel of the gun. Correct. I think it was very clear to me that he was reaching specifically for the weapon and um, um, because that's where his hands went. This sap probably thought he was helping <laughs> by saying that. I, well, I think that when, you can say what you want to, but when you're facing perjury, see, per, that's that's the beautiful thing about perjury. <laughs> you can say what you want to, but when you're facing time, if you lie, uh, yeah. Oops. They like, hey, these these dead dudes ain't worth it. Right. I, I'm gonna go ahead and give up the goods. Uh, and that's kind of how like the power. That's the power and the you know of jail. Kind of the good the good <laughs> part of our justice system. I think that you know you just can't get up there and say what you want to say without consequences. Um, because there's been a lot of false accusations made uh, in the media, but this is why the trial was important to wait for. Good point. We're so used right. to people lying that you kind of forget that it's a big deal if you lie under oath. That's that's the beautiful thing about it. If especially mm-hmm. if it could be proven, like it could be years yep. in jail. Yep. So, yep. I think we stopped at two. Let's go ahead and get into three. Two that the alleged victim Joseph Rosenbaum made death threats to Kyle. You and my client were present when Mr. Rosenbaum threatened you and Kyle. Correct. Correct. And he specifically said if he got either of you alone, he would expletive kill you. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Any doubt about that? No doubt about that at Told all. the FBI that? Yes. And that was right after, um, I'm going to get his name wrong, Dustin had put out dumpster fire? Correct. It was about 20 to 30 minutes before we headed south and the shooting started. Now, this testimony was so damning and so damaging to the prosecution's case that the prosecutor started challenging their own witnesses' credibility. <laughs> do, these, do, these, do these goombas think that uh, everybody is all in on this? I think your, that your analysis is, is perfect. 
Like, yeah, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie for give up. Screw these guys. I think the prosecutor had to go through with this trial, and it's like, what do you want me to do? I mean, I got a bunch of people that don't want to really testify to things that are not true. Um, we could play games with the cameras and the, the you know, the uh, right. and the video. And what I find disgusting in this whole thing uh, is the FBI were flying drones over this whole situation. Uh, yeah. Yep. And nothing came and no- out. And nothing was. Ha- yeah. <laughs> What 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 well, games are well, we playing? What what games are we really playing here? Well, um, maybe they were maybe they had the eye in the sky to give instructions. It could it could be that, and this this is very reminiscent of the same way they were uh, monitoring the riots in Baltimore via drone. See, I, I told you we we're debate test. They they run everything <laughs> out over like okay, we're gonna run we're running in Baltimore. See how it goes, and if if, if it works, we'll become operational. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the kind of thing that I'm seeing is the good people in the FBI. I'm telling you, y'all better start speaking up because the people are getting. Uh, and when I say the people, I mean we've always been skeptical of the <laughs> of the feds. But it's like I mean, people are making you, jokes about the FBI that way now on television, openly sometimes. That's my point. Is like we start to. losing everybody. Respect. What's your purpose? You right. lose respect, and then yeah, no one cares. Yeah, so I think, excuse me, I thought that, I think that was four. I yeah, think now we're, we're in five. To, yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and get into five now. Here's Mr. McGinnis, an eyewitness to the shooting. You don't know, as you sit here today, what Mr. Rosenbaum was thinking, do you? Yeah, you mean at the time of the shooting? Yes. Or at any point in his life. I mean, you have no idea what Mr. Rosenbaum was ever thinking at any point in his life. You have never been inside his head. You never met him before. You don't know. I've, I've never even, I've never exchanged words with him. That's what your question is. So your interpretation of what he was trying to do or what he was intending to do or anything along those lines is complete guesswork, isn't it? Um, well, he said, fuck you, and then he reached for the weapon. <laughs> <laughs> nice editing, Mo. Well done. That wasn't me. That was Nate. I got to give it. <laughs> That was <laughs> okay, Nate. but that was that was case closed right there. I mean that that was the end of it. And remind people, this is the prosecutor's prosecution <laughs> witness. witnesses. Yeah, these are their witnesses. The defense had, the the defense really didn't have to do anything. Now and, they did. And MSNBC but, was off at this point. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, it was like no, no, we can't air this. No. Uh, we need to, um, you know, uh, we need to call an yeah, we need to highlight the only good thing. So, uh, where we at? So we stopped at what six? Yeah, uh, no, this okay, is this is uh, six is now. Okay, let's go and get to six. Now, when the prosecution witnesses kind of don't really help your case, the prosecutor then tried to bring in some forensic people to disprove the fact that people were reaching for Kyle's gun. For instance, Mr. Huber, who also was killed by Kyle Rittenhouse, allegedly hit Kyle with a skateboard and tried to grab the gun. But the prosecutor tried to put doubt in the minds of the jury that Mr. Huber actually grabbed the gun by saying that there was no DNA found on the gun or none of Mr. Huber's DNA found on the gun. But that was easily overcome because there are pictures of Huber trying to grab the gun and their own (laughs) witness said, just because there's no DNA doesn't mean he didn't grab the gun. So, the fact that 
I don't know where that is on the gun, but the fact that the DNA isn't there. You know, everybody thinks DNA is this thing that proves everything. You'd agree that we can see he's actually touching the firearm. Um, what is your question? Well, the fact that it's not present, and I don't know where on the gun that is, but the fact that DNA is not present in any of the areas of the firearm for Mr. Huber doesn't mean that he didn't actually touch it. Correct. Whether DNA was detected from an individual or not does not mean that they did not touch that item. Yeah, this was a, this is an oldie but goodie that tried to do that because everyone in the world knows DNA solves crime. Man, Dan, Dana, as, uh, <laughs> as, as uh, Medea would say, um, has been locking people up forever. And that and that's one of those things that they throw out that, oh, DNA, DNA proved this, DNA proved that. And I've always been skeptical of DNA. Well, you know, how, the, way. You know how they cemented DNA in everyone's mind, don't you? What, paternity test? Jerry Springer. You better believe it, brother. Yeah. That's how they cemented that. It's like, that shit's real. Because people this, fight when, when they use DNA. And this is the cornerstone of the family court and their power. Mm. You see how it's all coming around now? Wow. The when do is, I graduate from this uh, college course, Mo? Do I ever graduate? <laughs> well, I guess not. It's on, I don't want to do graduate. You got to do the course hours, man. You got to uh, do yeah, the course hours. I, uh, I want work study. I want to keep going. <laughs> but no, that's that's... It's science. Basically, this is when science took over the judicial system. Uh, oh, we got DNA. We got DNA. We found DNA. You yeah. know, exonerate somebody or find them guilty. What did the DNA say? Yeah. And it's like, how did you collect it? How it was stored? And we've heard the horror stories of these uh, labs and, yeah. you know, they got they got eaten in the lab and all kind of stuff going on. And this is stuff with it, people's lives hinge on. That's why the justice system has been thoroughly exposed and for nothing else i take joy in it because it's not justice you know I, I, the same thing could, two things could be true kyle rittenhouse could have went I mean, excuse me kyle rittenhouse could have went down there with the the illest intentions let's just say he was this say he got his car said i'm gonna take me some people out and i'm we're not gonna take it anymore until you that's a thought crime <laughs> until he actually does something that's a crime you can't be found in anything guilty correct and i know people may get frustrated with me by saying that but i kept the same energy when but with bill cosby now we said two things could be true about bill cosby he could have been actually uh guilty of all the things he'd been accused of but if you can't get a good clean conviction i'm not can't stand with it i you know this is one of the thing and this is the only fair way you're saying we can have uh uh equality is through the legal system and i mean if you hear what people say we want justice we want justice but this is not justice this this is equity and it's not equality and and just the quickest explanation is that they want the same outcomes so so it's like equal outcomes to so uh kyle looks like he's guilty so he needs to be guilty no we got to go through what the what the laws are well, this, um, uh, this country built on the rule of law, and uh, right. we have to get back to it. And um, many people talk about a two-tier justice system, and mm-hmm. um, I agree with that uh, because it's people with a lot of money and people with no money. That's it. That's, that's, that's has awesome. nothing to do with race or anything. And I've had it myself. You know, there's been IRS screwed me. You know, and they literally said, "Look, 
if you had one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you you know, you could uh, take us to court. You'd win easily, uh, and you wouldn't have to pay the seventy five thousand. How's like, that? If you had the money, <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. And you know what? If I had the if I had the money to spend, I would have done it just to say f you IRS, even mm-hmm. though it would have cost me twice as much. But just imagine that if you had, but this is what plays out on the lower level. If you had the money, you wouldn't have these troubles. Oh, yeah. But it's like, I, I committed the crime because I don't have any money. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, so I got to. talking about like non, non-violent offenses, yeah. drug dealing, uh, weed, those kind of things. It's like, well, if I had the money, then I wouldn't be out here selling weed. Right. Uh, no, I, I understand the cycle is a uh, problem. But it's just amazing to hear on the on the big money level of, you know what I'm saying, $75,000, $150,000. It's like, you realize I don't have the money or I just would have paid the taxes, right? You know, you get you get that point. Well, well in, in this case, it was a dispute. I think they were wrong and they were wrong. And, and it was, I mean, and they admitted as much. But you did you take it to trial? I'm just curious. No, no, no. I uh, no, I can't oh. afford to do that. So how'd you get? I mean, I would not get it to you, but but, just, but this is the thing where we talk about the conviction rate of how many tri- how many things actually go to trial. This legal system is built off of people playing out. Yeah, uh, you know of oh scary numbers. Ooh, it's twenty years. They say you did it, even if you didn't. You yeah. know, what I'm saying it all go away. That's what they told you. Even pay it if you mm-hmm. know, even though you don't owe it. It'll all go away, and it's exactly what this they is, said. This, this is what's being, this is what's being exposed right now, and I'm all for it. Um, so I think we stopped at six. Let's go ahead and get into seven. Now, I don't want to understate this fact about the first week of trial. Every witness has made it very clear that the first victim, Rosenbaum, was starting fires, was challenging armed people, and saying things like "Shoot me." And even threatens Kyle's life. When Mr. Rosenbaum threatened you and Kyle, correct? Correct. And he specifically said if he got either of you alone, he would expletive kill you. That's correct. Any doubt about that? No doubt about that at all. Told the FBI that? Yes. And again, I want to make it very clear. These are the prosecution's witnesses. Yeah. Told the told the FBI that. Mm-hmm. How, how can you make a case for him being found guilty if the prosecution witnesses that they chose and selected and put on the stand are telling this story? I don't I don't. And this goes to your claim about mass formation. You have to be in mass formation to buy this and the Jacob Blake situation. And that, well, okay, so we saw what they did during the trial. We saw certainly what they did, and we heard what they said after the trial. With they, I mean uh, M5M, but mm-hmm. specifically MSNBC and CNN. Um, and in mass formation from what i understand from matia professor desmet who uh, who taught us this mm-hmm. it's actually the more absurd the better so the more absurd things you ask people to do in mass formation i.e tell people that you know this is exactly the opposite and that this is totally racial and etc cetera, etc cetera, that they that it just it, they're going along with it they cannot help themselves 
But then you get like the Anna from uh, from Young Turks. She was breakable. She broke out of the mass formation. I got my eye on her. She's very interesting now. Let's see what happens. Because she all yeah. of a sudden, and she, because she didn't just break through, she said, you got to question your sources. No kidding. And, I, and I'll say, um, yeah, I, I think you can break through it, but you just have to keep hammering away, hammering away. And that's why I did this show in the way I'm doing it. That a lot of people have not heard these facts. Normally, I don't get in the weeds on the blow by blow, and I didn't get into them here. Is where you know breaking down all this with the skateboard, or whatnot. It's I want you to hear the prosecution's witnesses say what happened. If you hear that and walk away from this, seeing it any kind of other way, as far as what happened legally, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I have to pray for you to break out of the mass formation. I mean, because. Well, the thirty strong on you. The thirty percent that are in mass formation cannot get; it will not get them out. You can't convince them. The forty percent that just go along with it, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that this this show in particular is great material for someone to help other people who who they know are just kind of going along with it, and because that's really the breakdown according to the professor. Thirty percent completely hypnotized, can't change their mind, forget about it, not worth it. Forty percent go along with the program. Thirty percent—that's us. Okay. And so, so the thirty percent can use that on the forty percent, because then all of a sudden you have seventy percent, and then it doesn't matter. And we just keep chipping away yeah. at it. And, and the way they do that is, and I'll say this: using good information. Because mm-hmm. I think bad information, and you run it, you've ran into this a couple times, can totally derail the, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, trying to help somebody because once they find anything to revert back. To that formation, they're gonna go running back to like, oh, oh, I found one little flaw. Uh, and this is how fact checkers work. Because I when I looked at the fact checkers for this thing and and the victims, I me mean, excuse me, the uh people that were shot, it was like, Oh yeah, they were pedophiles, but not kind of like that pedophile. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, huh? What how can you even find No, they that? were minor attracted persons. Oh, don't you about to get me on a whole nother? <laughs> get me on a whole, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's, no, a, that's right, a trigger bro. for me. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a hard trigger for yeah, me. I hear uh, you. Move on. <laughs> yeah. So number eight. <laughs> now let's talk about the defense. The defense seems to just be watching the trial like we all are. They're not objecting to really anything. They're just letting everything kind of go fast and loose because they got a simple self-defense claim here. Now, you'll see most of us attorneys are a little frustrated that the defense is kind of just letting everything go roughshod, but that's okay because they still, I believe, have a winning case. Now, remember at the beginning of this video when I showed you the prosecutor saying that Kyle chased down Rosenbaum and then shot him kind of like indiscriminately? Well, it's interesting that all of their witnesses, all of the prosecution's witnesses, have rebutted the prosecutor's opening statement. So at this point in time, I don't know where this trial is going to go from here. When you have all your witnesses saying that the kid acted in self-defense, why are we here? <laughs> why are we here? This doesn't seem like a murder trial. Yeah, there's your question. Why are we I'm here? Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to get to that, but uh-huh. what we have to do first is provide some perspective for the people, the 40% that may not get it now, but may get it eventually but you have to seek first to understand and to be understood i'm gonna get to that but i need to make this one quick point the defense did do something in this case they told kyle get up on that stand and give it up 
give up the goods, cry like nobody's business. Um, now I'm not saying it wasn't genuine, but they probably told, don't you hold it back. You get that feeling because I think that's what did it. Um, like you said, you can't, you can't punch a baby. Um, he put, he put that, the crying on to say, uh, look, I'm just a kid, you know, and he broke, he, he broke, he, he broke him. He, they broke him. Yeah. Uh, to the point of, and then, uh, I think that's, that's what the defense told him because there's no other reason for him to go on that stand other than to cry. This makes, and, and I, this makes sense to me because I, you know, there, there were two prosecutors, uh, two uh, lawyers for the defense, mm-hmm. and uh, I really didn't like the Goomba guy. And the thing that I didn't like about him is he would say stuff like, come on, people. You know, and I heard that. I'm like, does that work on juries? He's like, come on, people. I didn't like it. I was like, I, I don't think I like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is exactly the kind of guy that could, uh, I think we need to give him a lot more credit because he probably teed Kyle up. No one told Kyle to do that because you can't. What he—that was real emotion. But did mm-hmm. did the Goomba guy tee him up? I totally believe that. Totally. And what, what I'm saying is, they said don't hold it back. Yeah, yeah. I think they gave him the same speech they give uh, uh, Don Don Lemon and uh, Van Jones. <laughs> yeah. like, Van, if you feel it coming, Van, just go with the fu- go with the feeling. Well, hell I yeah, think, of course. I it's think ratings. Kyle got the same point. And, and I, like I said, when you facing life. In jail, it don't take you much to cry. So I'm not saying that it was disingenuous, but no, they teed trust him up. Me, they teed him up. Of course, those yeah. those those tears was currency, and, and he, it was he, he super. It was super triggering. It was if you if you're gonna do a, a an op anyway, let's trigger mm-hmm. the heck out of people. And that and that right. and that and it, and it worked on all sides. If you were pro Kyle, you oh my god, the poor kid. If you hated Kyle, like I ah, look at this full of crap kid him. Like, i mean like, like him. king james king james even tweeted about it mm-hmm. yeah so i mean that's 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 what i think the defense did was like hey you're gonna get you you go up there don't hold back don't just let i mean because i'm sure he's been crying the whole time i'm sure i mean i would probably been crying in behind closed doors yeah. facing life you know what I'm saying? You had to you wake sure. up some morning to be like, I'm facing life in prison. Yeah. Like, I know I got a good case, but still. I've been you in never jail know. for three months. Yeah. Sure. Right. <laughs> uh, so, but now I'm going to provide perspective because people may be saying, well, how did this kid get off when we've seen so many other cases of bullcrap, you know, charges and the, the legal system screwing young kids over? One case being this teen that was thrown in violent New York prisons. Now we have an eyewitness news exclusive, a travesty, a young boy thrown in jail as a 16-year-old high school sophomore. Now more than three years later, this young man is free. Criminal charges completely dropped. And good evening again at 530. I'm Diana Williams. And I'm Shade Bitter-in-Law. It is an outrageous case of justice derailed. How could it take three years for prosecutors in the Bronx DA's office to figure out they didn't have a case while a teenager sat in jail on Rikers? Investigative reporter Sarah Wallace joining us now with her exclusive story. Sarah? Well, Diana and Shade, the Bronx DA's office is refusing to say anything about this case using the excuse that Khalif Browder has now filed a civil rights lawsuit. He was a teenage kid walking home from a party, literally snatched off the street and charged with robbery. It was a weak case from the very beginning. 
I, I spent three New Year's in there, three, four of my birthdays. I, I spent a lot of holidays in there. 20-year-old Khalif Browder may be physically free, but mentally he is still trapped behind bars on Rikers, where every day was a battle to survive. It's very hard when you're dealing with these dudes that's, that's wild, tall, and they, they're big, you know and they got weapons and, and shanks, and then they're in gangs. And you know if you don't give your phone call up or you don't give them what he wants, you know they're going to jump you because he, he got about other 15 <laughs> gang, other gang members. It's very scary. This was, what, maybe 10 years ago or something? It was 2016, I want to say. Oh, okay. It was 15, somewhere around in there. Maybe, or I'm, I'm maybe off my date. Okay. But wow. This back. gives perspective for people to say, how does this kid get off with killing three people? We had to seek first to understand. And this kid didn't even get, didn't get the trial for three years. He didn't get the trial for three years on, on a stolen book bag. And this kid went through hell in jail. So I'm just providing perspective yeah. for how people could see it through a racial lens. To say the court system is on some bull crap. Well, well, but also, mm-hmm. let's be real. Uh, where was Rev Al? Well, I'll say, I think Jay-Z and them did some. Oh, they did. Like, you know, after the fact, but you're, you're great point. And, and that's the other thing that. Because you know why? Because there was no racial angle. There was only that's, that's, there was there was only a, a poverty angle and a kid angle. That's all. Right. There was no no racial angle, so no one gave a shit. The media didn't care. The reverend didn't care. Nobody cared. This poor kid just rotting away. And that's what now you're understanding how people can get to the point where they don't care about Kyle. Because it's like nobody yeah. cared about him, Khalif. Mm-hmm. So why should why should we care about Kyle? You know, I mean, he's sitting there for three years waiting on trial. Why can't he sit? I'm just providing perspective for how people can just be so hardened with their viewpoint of how this just didn't turn out the way they wanted it to turn out. People also have very poor um, historical recollection. Yes. You know, people really don't remember stuff past two weeks ago. And that's not, that's not uh, crazy to understand because of the amount of information we're processing as human beings. We're much, taking on way more information than our brains are meant to take on. Yeah. If you think about man and nature, but that's a whole nother story for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get to the second part of Khalif's story. In May of 2010, he was a 16 year old 10th grader walking home on Arthur Avenue in the Bronx after a party. The guy comes out of nowhere, says I robbed him, and the next thing you know, they put the cuffs me. I don't even know this dude, and then I and I do three years, over three years for something I didn't even do. Rodder's family couldn't make the ten thousand dollars bail on the robbery charges, and he had a legal aid attorney. Rodder is now represented by his. Oh, I got to stop. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is what I'm hearing now. Now it starts to make sense. So, if we don't have a racial angle. Then we don't give a shit about the case. Um, the mainly Democrats who are behind all of this racial politicization, mm-hmm. they feel so guilty about these cases that they say, well, we've got to do something for them too. You know, we're fixing everything by the, with using the race angle, but, uh, you know, if there's no racial angle, so we'll just make sure that everyone gets out of jail and you can, you know, that you can get amnesty and never have to go to jail, uh, steal up to $950 worth of stuff. Is that a possibility? That's, that's, yeah, that's why I was talking about the equity. 
They want, right. they want the outcomes. Yes, yes. The equal okay. outcomes, right. not the equal okay. opportunity okay. Better or way equal of law it. justice. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it, we want people to be set free. White guys go free all the time. We want black guys to go free all the time. That I, kind of thing. I got you. I got you. But right. what they don't do is they don't understand that they, these people are just going to go back to their communities and victimize the people again. Mm-hmm. Um, was and st- again and again and again and again. You're only going to make your neighbors worse. I'm going to restart the clip. Yeah. In May of 2010, he was a 16-year-old 10th grader walking home on Arthur Avenue in the Bronx after a party. The guy comes out of nowhere and says, I robbed him. And the next thing you know, they put in the cuffs, man. I don't even know this dude. And then I, and I do three years, over three years, for something I didn't even do. Ryder's family couldn't make the $10,000 bail on the robbery charges, and he had a legal aid attorney. Ryder is now represented by a civil rights law firm. What was bad about this case? Mm, pretty much everything. One witness identification from a stranger. Uh, no evidence, no property recovered. Months turned into years. He tried to commit suicide several times. It was just all balling in my head to the point where I just, like, I just, like, I had to just grab my head. Like, I can't take it. He missed his sister's wedding, the birth of his nephew, and so many family events. In January, Browder says he was offered a plea deal after 33 months uh, in jail. He refused. The judge, she was trying to give me time serving. I wasn't taking it. And she told me if I if I lose trial, I could get 15 years. Just take the time serving. You go home today if you say you did it. I didn't do it. I'm not, I'm not saying I did that. He went back to jail. In June, he was suddenly freed with no explanation. No apology, no nothing. They just said, oh, case dismissed. Don't worry about nothing. Like, don't, what do you mean don't worry about nothing? I just took over three years of my life. He's now trying to make up for those three high school years he lost, taking courses state. to get his GED. That's, that's I didn't get to go to prom, graduation, nothing. Those are the main years. I'm never going to get those years back. Never. Never. It would be interesting to have a follow-up, see what happened with him. He killed himself. He was facing another charge and he killed himself before he went back to jail. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm saying. Now you are now. That's why I said seek first to understand and to be understood. Now when people say hear that these slowly, kind of stories, Mark, say that slowly, seek, fir- seek first to understand, then to be understood. Got it. You have to understand the perspective of people who are saying this some bull crap that Cal got off because they hear stories like this. And hear how the justice system jerked them around. And it's not that they, it's, you get so beat down in your mindset that you don't want better. You just want worse for other people. How is it <laughs> that you see these things so clearly when it's so obvious how traumatized most African-Americans, so-called black people are? Because... <sighs> I just go off the facts. No, I know that that's your problem. I'm just wondering what, <laughs> what, 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 uh, what did you not eat or what did you eat as a kid? What was it? Because you're, you're, what? you're truly exceptional. It's very, that's so fucking astute how you bring this to light. Yeah, just, you, you don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. That's no, just me no, asking just questions. Saying, I mean, cause I, I want to help people, other people understand that don't get caught up in the mass formation. Like for, for a turn to be coined mass formation, that explains the condition. Yeah. And that it's on all the, sides. It's on, it's right. everyone's in a form of it somewhere. 
Correct. And then, then we just manipulate the ones and zeros in the binary world to, 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 um, to get them to act the way we want. And then once you're dissatisfied for the justice system for everybody, introduce, this is a throwback clip, clip for 59, but this is the solution right here, algorithms. One particularly popular and now widespread algorithm is used at the point of arrest to make bail decisions. And conceptually, it's a pretty simple idea. Uh, a defendant who's been charged with a crime is uh, information is extracted from them and is fed into a computer algorithm and that computer algorithm outputs a risk factor and that risk factor is meant to quantify the likelihood that that person will commit a crime in the future think of a really simple version of the minority report without the creepy people in the pools and um, if you are assessed to be high risk well then the judge may deny bail and you will be held in prison awaiting trial And if you are assessed to be low risk, then you may be released pending trial. Now, in 2016, investigative journalists from ProPublica published a troubling report on one particularly popular and widespread predictive algorithm that is used in the courts around this country. And what they found is that this particular algorithm was significantly disadvantageous to black defendants. What they found is that if you were a black defendant, you are nearly twice as likely to be predicted as reoffending when you did not. That happened 44% of the time if you were black and only 23% of the time if you are white. That is a staggering difference. And at the same time, you were almost twice as likely to be predicted as not offending when in fact you did if you were white as compared to black. That happened 47% of the time versus 28% of the time. So in other words, the algorithm is biased to black defendants, against black defendants. Hey, you ready for it? You ready for it? (laughs) Revelation, here we go. With the algorithms, they may already be able to, but certainly will be able to literally dial up or dial down violence whenever they want it, whenever they need it. It's- Which we saw, I mean, if you think about it, that's what we saw at Kenosha. In, in, a, in, a, in a, a manual way, like, let's, well, we need more criminals on the street. Let them go. Let them free. Right, but I mean, they can predict exactly who they need. Mm-hmm. They can predict where they need them, what they will do, and then, dude, we just start a Telegram group or a WhatsApp group or whatever. Hey, this is the official uh, the official group of the protest. They send people mm-hmm. individual messages. They can totally dial this up or down, and it's and it's the easiest way to control the situation. And I think they were manifesting. And we're still not done with the Aubrey trial, which is a whole other problematic. Uh, and I said par- problematic. I want to kill myself mm. now. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a problem, that one. I'm just interested to see how it's going to go. Um, the case pretty much is, like I said, I don't comment on the case to that that's over because you yeah. never know what could be presented. But, but yeah, so now here's a case. Now, this is the Texas shooting, school shooting um, that happened recently. Breaking developments that school shooting authorities racing to the scene in Arlington, Texas, outside Dallas. This time at Timberview High School, the gunfire ringing out early this morning. One of the victims shot a young English teacher. He is 25 years old. Tonight, he's in the hospital, a 15-year-old in the hospital, too, who had been in critical condition, now recovering in the ICU. 
Word of an active shooter reaching police just after 9 this morning. Armed officers running inside. The suspect quickly identified as an 18-year-old student at the school fleeing in a car, triggering a massive hunt and a warning that he was armed and dangerous. Students and teachers barricading themselves with doors, the chairs and desks behind those doors, huddling there in the dark. Outside, a massive law enforcement response securing the school, getting the injured medical help. Law enforcement rushing to his home nearby. They did not find him there. Tonight, after searching for hours, the gunman turning himself in. And what we've now learned, ABC's Marcus Moore leading us off here from Texas tonight. Tonight, a shooting at this Arlington, Texas high school, leaving four people hurt. This is not a random act of violence. This is not somebody attacking our schools. Officials saying it all started around 9.15 this morning. Authorities now reviewing videos posted to social media appearing to show a fight. We believe right now, preliminary, that it was a student that got into a fight and drew a weapon. I has pop, 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 like six sides, six, seven sides back to back. Yeah. Did you hear about this case? Yes. Yes, I did. So it was a weird thing going on where they didn't want to call him a school shooter and, you know, that kind of thing. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is it is it connects to the Kyle Rittenhouse case because I want to highlight some what about isms <laughs> on both sides. So the way I did it last on, on the last set of clips was, well, look at Khalif. And look at Kyle. What about Khalif? What, what about what happened to Khalif? Now, in this case... If it was it a was, white kid who had done this. Right. Or it's... Hold on. Kyle sit in the jail for, uh, what, four months? Or how many ever months he sat in jail? Three months. Three months. Excuse me. Three months. And now this kid out, get, gets out the next day after doing a school shooting. Yeah. This this is that what you're talking about. They're playing with these algorithms and mm-hmm. news stories to keep people in a constant state of just uh, outrage. Um, outrage. That's a great word. It's constant outrage. And what about isms? Yeah. And what reason why I'm bringing this up was when Kyle got out of jail, you saw him celebrating with his friends, whatnot, and his picture. And they have almost an identical picture of this yeah, uh, guy. You're so right. You're so right. right. Yeah. Celebrate having a party after he gets out of jail. Mm-hmm. And it's just the Spider-Man meme of pointing at each other. And mm-hmm. they do this to play this, play it off of each other. So we can get into the um, number 29 now. Timothy George Simpkins has been released after posting bond. The 18-year-old is accused of shooting three people at Temperview High School in Arlington yesterday. Two students and a teacher were all taken to the hospital. One of those victims, a 15-year-old student, remains in the ICU. Police say all three victims are expected to recover. Simpkins is facing three counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Police say he pulled out a gun after a fight with another student. The school was put on lockdown while police searched for him. He eventually showed up at a local police station with a lawyer to turn himself in. Investigators say the gun they believe he used was found two miles from the school along a street in Grand Prairie. Classes are canceled at Timberview today and counseling has been made available to students and staff. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I heard so I, I heard want- about it because it's a Texas story, but I I right away knew like, oh okay. I got it. you can tell in the reporting. There's no description of the of the of the shooter. It's like okay, we know exactly what's going on right away. And, and the charges either. I uh-huh. would have thought there would be attempted murder. I mean, I would think that would be the the charge they Minimum. were trying to give him. But mm-hmm. 
but it's no, it's assault with a deadly weapon, yeah. which it's like that's weird. <laughs> um, but this, like I said, I only highlight those to show the what about isms, and this is what divides people and keeps people on the two sides, and this is purposely done by the media. This is this is all what go back. This only lends to your whole point of this being a psyop. Yep. So Whew. with that said, let's go ahead and uh, thank some more people for uh, making this happen. I like brand new money. I just I don't want any money around me that's not. I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand than an old twenty. Now, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like hundred dollar bills? Oh yeah, I like oh. new money too. Oh, <laughs> most beautiful thing on earth is a hundred dollar bill. I hadn't seen a woman as good looking as a hundred dollar bill. There's something about a hundred dollar bill that excites you. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some new money. Here's your cue to boost. You know you want to. So what you want to do is hit that boost button on your podcast app. If you don't have a boost button, then you can't send us a boostagram. But if you do, uh, then uh, we'll start reading those now that uh, the whole system is end to end. It's kind of like super chat with YouTube, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know we're gonna get start doing this in a live situation as well. All that's uh, being worked on. Uh, if you don't have a boost button. Uh, go to newpodcastapps.com, and it's a great way to send the show value for value. Um, it's why we make the show four hours long, because you're sending us uh, little bits of Bitcoin every single minute. So we're just doing an eight-hour show. We'll be millionaires. <laughs> Boost until you break it. <laughs> Boost. <laughs> uh, here are some other producers we want to thank for um, uh, producing episode number 71. $40 from Anonymous, who says, really appreciate the MoFax podcast. Thank you for all your hard work. A one-dropper from Alaska. Sam Smock. Smock, 3633. Some Mo Karma, please, for all the parents fighting to keep our kids unjabbed and for the pro-jab parents as well. Failure to humanize one another is a win for the lizards. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Well said. You've got... Mo Karma. 3484 from Benjamin Ellis. Congratulations on unplugging. Sending some Mo Facts family karma. And Australian dollary dues to you. Thank you uh, very much. Sneer, let me see. Srinivas Murthy, 3333. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with everything you bring up. You shouldn't. But the amount of eye-opening stuff I hear far outweighs the other kind. Thank you for your show, fellow Northern Virginia denizen. And you don't have to agree with everything. That would make it very boring. And he lets me, and he lets me know on Twitter when he doesn't agree. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. You can, you should do it through a boostergram. Yeah. It's a lot more fun. And we can Keeping read it. Keeping us honest. Keeping yeah. us honest. Betty S, also 3333. Dear Mo and Adam, so pleased that you have added a P.O. box so I can add you to my bill for a monthly subscription. Yes. Just the tip of the iceberg of the value I've received from your hard work. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Mo. Episode, episode 69 is really all anyone listens to to figure out what is going on in COVID-1984. By the way, I really enjoyed hearing you on Behind the, sh- behind the sh- schemes, schemes with Booberry. Fun. Blessings to you both. Yes. Yeah. I like checking in on you, too. I mean, doing stuff like that. You were with Danny Katz the other day. Yes. Yeah. Did you read her book? I have not. Uh, but we discussed uh, her and uh, the power of words. That was a great conversation. That's another product I have coming growing up. It's called Converse, where I sit down with interesting people and talk about whatever they want to talk about. Really excellent. Well, she's she, rolling she, them out, rolling them out. <laughs> yeah, she wrote a she wrote a book about propaganda, which is quite cool. 
so yeah, and she also has too. a children's book as well. Um, I think this, two actually. Yeah, yeah. That, well, this book is kind of a children's book, so she may have another one as well. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, Bamidla Oregon Thomas, interesting name, $30, thank you. Rusty Becker says, love the show. Hit a friend in the mouth recently for Mo. She teaches in San Bernardino and deals with many of the realities you talk about with Adam. Really love the conversation with Danny. Oh, there it is. Danny Katz. Keep it up. Yeah. Uh, love from San Clemente. Uh, thanks, Bump and McNutty. Can I get a Woosah? $25 from <laughs> Robert Steger. Yeah, I think we can take care of that. Woosah. Benjamin Ellis. I'm sorry. Benjamin. Love a good wire reference. Yes, always good. Always good. (laughs) Uh, Benjamin, thanks for making Wednesdays great again. $22. Yes, well, of course it's true because we're every every single Wednesday. It's either lost tapes to follow up or it's a brand new MoFax. Bradford Galleon, $20. Thank you. Brent Simpson got an unexpected payment from Redbubble. Decided it was the perfect time to show support again. Thanks for all you do and thanks to Mo for following me back on Insta. And thank you, Brent. A great way of spending that magical cash that just shows up. Paul E. Lovato, $20. Thank you, and thank you. Holly Smith, thank you for your 20 Matthew M., $15. Appreciated. $14 from Anonymous. Thanks for all you do taking a stand for what you believe in, says Aaron Stasny. Uh, the world needs more people like you. Please de-deadbeat me. Ah, good to have you in the club. Congratulations. You're no longer... A deadbeat. Uh, Francis, 1111, and says, hey, uh, Jay Staver is a deadbeat. Well, we Ooh, can't. Ooh, call out. Is that the first call out? Yeah. Ew, you're a deadbeat. It's maybe the second. Second well, deadbeat. Keep beat. them coming. Yeah. Keep them coming. Yeah, you got to be calling <laughs> people out. If people are listening and not supporting the show, this is a great way of helping produce. You got to <laughs> let us know. Call them out as a deadbeat. It's fun. Jeremy Cavanaugh. Shame. Ten spot. Shame. Ten spot. Thank you, brother. Sir Chris Vox checking in and stepping it up for the holidays. Thank you, Mo and Adam. Keep up the great work. Thank you for your courage. Thank you, Chris Bergstrom. Uh, Miguel Espinal, $10. Value for value. Thank you. Michael Cole, great show, he says, $10. William Barnes, ITM33, same to you, $10. Thank you. $5.18 from Mark Asher. Uh, Eric Runkle, $5. Hey, Mo and Adam, here's November's value. Sorry it's late since I know you, Mo. Uh, value privacy. I just want you to know that PayPal lets me see your full name. I'm not sure how, but I know it's possible to hide that piece. Thanks. I'm sure Mo yes. will take care of that. Uh, I will work on that. David. Oh, we, I think we think you skipped Ned. Oh, did I? Where's Ned? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Ned L. Ayers III. Uh, I see how you move. Glory to God. And thank you very much, Ned. $9. Uh, back to uh, Yarbrough, $5. Thank you, Joy Leeds. Value, but I'm poor. No, you don't have to understand. That's very valuable to us. If that is the value that you can afford, that means the same as any other amount. That's it, it, Thank you for saying that. Uh, deadly room from Woodbridge. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you very much. Uh, then we have Yarborough again, so uh, two there. It must be on a weekly, $5. Thank you, appreciate that. Weeklies are great. Moises Hernandez, happy upcoming birthday, Mo. Hey, when's your birthday? December 4th. Jeez, man. Did I know this? I didn't know this. We guess... have another show by then? Uh, no. No. Uh, no. Uh, 
I don't know what day it falls on. Let me let me see. Let me go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Well, Moises says, "May all your dreams come true." Adam, you're the man. All right. And Terry, the human subscription Keller, letting us know that we still don't have that set up properly. Four dollars and eleven cents with no note, but we know exactly what you're saying there. Terry, thank you so much. Thank you to all of the producers and our executive and associate executive producers for episode number seventy-one with Mo Facts with Adam Curry. Boost us with a new podcast app, newpodcastapps.com, or go to mofax.com to support the show directly with your fiat fund coupons. Anything is appreciated. Uh, it's really all highly valued. Thank you again. Uh, Lawyer Nate asks, what is this? Uh, and I think that's a very good question. You said it's a PSYOP, mm-hmm. which I do agree, but I think the PSYOP also has a, a primary motive. And I think Joy Reid tipped her hat in this uh, recent clip. All right, everybody. Uh, good evening. We begin the readout tonight with two cases, which will once again tell us where we are as a country. Whether armed, primarily white. Well, right there. I mean, that's it. This is the complete psyop. Two cases. It's they're doing A and B and triggering off each other. Am I close? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, but why? We want it because you stepped on it a little bit. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'll back it up. Okay. I'll back it up. Okay. All right, everybody. Uh, good evening. We begin the readout tonight with two cases, which will once again tell us where we are as a country. Whether armed, primarily white men can continue to take matters into their own hands and serve as judge, jury, and executioner legally under the law. Yeah. There's the trial of teenage vigilante Kyle Rittenhouse. Where jurors just moments ago broke for the day. Vigilante. And the trial of father and son Greg and Travis McMichael and their neighbor William Roddy Bryan. They stand accused of murdering 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery in what many have called a modern-day lynching. Uh, the three men claim that this was just a citizen's arrest gone wrong. Rittenhouse has pleaded not guilty, claiming self-defense. The prosecution argued that Rittenhouse was a chaos tourist who lied about what happened that night and provoked the initial interaction with Rosenbaum, which set in motion the chain of events that night in August of last year. Since then, Rittenhouse has become a right-wing hero. Mark and Patricia McCloskey, remember them? The St. Louis couple pardoned by Donald Trump when he was president for aiming guns at Black Lives Matter protesters? Well, they've showed up the past two days to support Rittenhouse. They claimed that the teenager, who, mind you, shot and killed two people, is the real victim, the victim of cancel culture. And another weird twist, Rittenhouse actually participated in choosing the final 12 men and women who will decide his fate by pulling numbers from a tumbler, like a macabre game show. The six he randomly chose become alternates. Well, he, you so, want to know what I heard? Go ahead. Go ahead. So I, this was almost like it, it's almost like a one-two punch setup. Mm-hmm. Where we get every, we we get the poster boy for it looks like as you pointed out, total vigilante, totally believable. He's you know uh, he hangs out with uh, the junior proud boys. I mean, you can totally see it. A uh, homegrown violent extremist, the kind of January six type person, and uh, arms white man, and then the Aubrey case, which from what I've read, I've seen almost zero coverage of it. From what I've read, uh, sounds like those guys should they they murdered this guy unlawfully, mm-hmm. um, and so that's very powerful to have those two cases one after another. Regardless, even it's kind of like. Well, okay, that one didn't work. Now, this one, you know, this is so clear that even uh, Republicans can see it. And, you know, that will be a very powerful trigger depending on the outcome of that trial. 
and what they really wanted was coming out of November, the the elections. They would have took Virginia, took over a lot of you know what I'm saying a lot of political real estate. Uh, you would have had the school year going, you know, going in CRT firmly implanted. <laughs> you would have had um, um, the vaccines, the kids getting jabbed. I mean, the 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 Democratic side was supposed to be on a roll right now. You get Kyle, then you get the um, Albury guy, uh, murderers or people that's being uh, accused of murdering them. You get these all these supposed to be slam dunks. But everything's unraveled f- for them. And I think they're like, dang it. Like, we took an L in Virginia, which was big. We took an L with this uh, Kyle Rittenhauer case. We took an L with critical race theory. That's very and interesting. They're, they're, you're, they're, you're, 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 you're saying here that these trials were scheduled. The timing yeah. was, yeah, I like that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No. To, well, no, that just, that just makes it a bigger, bigger thing than I thought. Yeah. Okay. That's very good. Yeah. Right, so I um, mean, and then you got like so the esoteric thing on this blood room moon that comes around every I think five or six hundred years. <laughs> they got to throw the witches in. You got it all going, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's a custom. That's custom. Uh, uh theremin. Custom, custom theremin <laughs> on the spot. Uh, but I think that's the point of what they wanted. But the whole goal is the guns. The whole because she if you if you listen to that beginning of that clip again the first May oh yeah seconds, yeah uh, yeah it's uh, white men with guns armed that's white not men. what she said listen to what she said again oh All right. oops hold on a second uh thirty one yeah all right everybody uh, good evening we begin the readout tonight with two cases which will once again tell us where we are as a country whether armed primarily white men can continue primarily. to take primarily white men we're coming for all the guns yeah and that's the that's the fool's errand or the foolish logic that you think you're gonna be able to keep your guns and they're only gonna take white people guns i don't think so they're coming for everybody's guns well this is every time go ahead well this is part of the crossing state lines that they keep talking about that's 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 dropped in there specifically to talk about a legal thing that has to change we need a federal law mm-hmm. for guns passing across state lines. Yeah, that's- because you can do that. That's that's one uh, power the United States president has, and uh, and the the federal government in general can uh, make laws about interstate travel. And uh, right. that c- it could be an interesting way of doing it. It's kind of an OSHA way of mandating the shot, but okay, we'll see how it goes. And I'm glad you brought up OSHA because, to be honest with you, the only thing keeping the needle out of our arms is, is guns. Let's just keep it 100. I mean, we would be Australia if it wasn't for guns right now on a lot of issues. Yeah, I'm I'm but sad to they, say to agree. Yeah, they have to get rid of the guns, and they're trying to do it any way possible. And I keep stressing the MS and NBC. The MS stands for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Who's over Microsoft? Doctor Bill. They want these guns. And anytime you start taking away, trying to take away my Second Amendment right, no, I, I can't get on board with that. No, no, no. Because that's the only thing that protects your First Amendment right. See, that's, that's, but this is where they want you at to say, look, white people are the only people that have Second Amendment rights or First Amendment rights. If we take away from them, then you will be equal. Equity. I don't want it that way. No. 
<laughs> no, no, me neither, Mo. We, once again, we're so similar. <laughs> that ain't the way I want this to go down. I want all the privileges to granted to me by my rights. Don't take my rights away to, and their rights away to make us equal. No, and that's why I can't get on board with this. And MSNBC did this uh, piece a while ago, and I've been. This is like I think right around the 2019, 2020 uh, on black militia groups. Oh, I saw some of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did this get was, a- like I said, they start with us. Yeah. <laughs> they start with uh-huh. this was the this was the oh scary black people with guns before they did the scary white people with guns. Thirty two. Now to the concerns of another community that too often feels unprotected and the group that's stepping up to do something about it. They're known as the NFAC, an unarmed all-black militia. You might have seen um, an armed black militia that you might have seen at protests in Georgia, Kentucky, and D.C. Joining us now from Atlanta with more on this, NBC News correspondent Morgan Radford. Morgan, tell us about this group. Mika, good morning. The bottom line is this group says that the U.S. government, as well as law enforcement, simply does not do enough to protect black Americans in this country, which is why they say they're taking matters into their own hands. And interestingly, Mika, this is a group that is growing. They say they now boast recruits in nearly every single state. So we decided to go and embed with them. And see exactly what they're doing and why. Take a listen. The sounds of war. Right here at home. This is the NFAC. An all black militia with a mission to defend the black community by any means necessary. So this is training for one of the new chapters. Yes. Appearing by the hundreds at protests from Stone Mountain, Georgia to Louisville, Kentucky, demanding justice for police killings and countering what they believe is the threat of right-wing militias. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> so there, the MSNBC is embedded. Their word. Yeah, you only do that with friendly soldiers. Well, I think... They appear to be friendly, but I think it's more to this story. So, um, this is when you had like the, the scary black people popping up with guns and they had poor trigger, uh, uh, control. What is called when you don't have your finger in the trigger? What is that called? Dumb. Dumb. (laughs) What's it called though? What's the, what's the word trigger? My brother, your finger, uh, your finger, your trigger. Yeah, was it called something contr- trigger or something? Uh, but anyway, I mean, I I I, I um, don't want to be able to belabor the point, but it was just I think people got shot and it was uh, errantly and it, it just it was it just stunk to me. I'm like, where did this come out of you know out of the blue? And 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 I'll get more into it on the other side of this clip, but it just stunk the high hell to me. It's a movement started in 2017 by this man, former musician and Army veteran John Grandmaster J. Johnson. Is the movement growing? By leaps and bounds. We met with him outside of Cincinnati, where he says another new chapter is now in the works. The NFAC stands for the Not Effing Around Coalition. What's behind the name? 
The NFAC was born out of the last four years under the Trump administration. The deterioration of racial relations in this country, it means that you're preparing yourself to defend yourselves. While the group style echoes the Black Panther Party of the 1960s, their goals are distinct, focusing on defense with the ultimate goal of a black ethnostate. What makes us so different is that our goal is our own government, our own country, a place where we can determine our own future. Is violence an option to reach your goals? The United States was built on violence being an option. Violence should be the last option. Yeah, we talked about this group. They they, uh, they tried to buy some land and, and build like a, a new independent no, nation. You, you confused them with the land back. No, that was that was also NFAC. Did they try to buy land? I know, I know the land back. Yeah, guys. In, in Texas they were going to try and buy something. Okay, but this guy, Jam Master J or whatever yeah. his name Gra- is, Grandmaster J. Grandmaster, yeah, you know, <laughs> Jam Master, uh, yeah. no, could be no, the same guy. You don't know. It, it's so comical because you can tell on YouTube. YouTube's algorithm is a great detection mechanism. Mm-hmm. For who they're trying to push to you, okay? Because you see, just people pop up in your your suggestion feed. I saw this with Six Nine, the rapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, um, Takashi Six Nine. They just bombarded you. I'm like, I don't even know this guy. I don't even listen to his music. Why is he showing up in my feed now? This guy was just all over my feed mm-hmm. from you saying from the things that I you saying I watch. And I'm like, who is this guy? And like, he's talking all reckless and and it's just like, I mean, you just have certain vibes on people. It's like you you leading our people into a burning house. Do you understand to take a quote from um, Martin Luther King? Like you don't have any strategy. And then to say, oh, this is cropping up from the last four years. If you said the last four hundred years, I might have like <laughs> it would have it would have went over smoother. Right. But you see, the last four years that sounds political to me. Why all of a sudden the last four years? Yeah, good point. Trayvon Martin was four years longer than four years ago. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore riots were longer than four years ago. You know, the the, the um, shootings in Baton Rouge and Dallas was longer than four years ago. So don't play these games with me. You see what I'm saying? But I, I, I'll let you get to the, uh, to the final clip. It just This guy just didn't sit well with me when I heard it. Extremism experts say the group is distinct from far-right militias. They have not risen to the level of concern of, say, the three percenters, the Oath Keepers. They have not engaged in violence. In fact, in most of their pre- of their demonstrations, they have, in fact, coordinated their activities with police. When you talk about January 6th, and we saw those rioters storm the Capitol, what do you say to critics who say, you're no different from them? They're extremists, you're extremists. Show me where we have done those things. They've killed people. They've disrespected the government to the point where they have invaded its sacred halls. Show me where we've stop, done those stop. things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stop, stop. They disrespected the government? Ain't this the same government you're trying to overthrow? I'm confused. Mm-hmm. I'm confusion here. Mm-hmm. See, it's these, you got to listen to what people say. Well, I'm also, I'm, I'm also looking at some of the pictures. You remember they they uh, were at the Stone Mountain and they weren't going to let uh, Trump do his speech there, and it was a whole bunch of crap with these guys. Right, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying him. He represents. This is kind of like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, Inc. sure. Kind of thing where you have people that really are into guns and 
protection and you know uh for second amendment that you know that may share the same you know thoughts on you know protecting ourselves but then they get sucked up into these i'm gonna call it what it is a honeypot this guy, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and it was a lot of a lot of agent claims around him in the in certain circles. Yeah, I can see why. Right. So it's, but for who is the question? So <laughs> it, it, it's just it, it, I saw what was going on here. Let's get a bunch of scary black people together and with guns and go make confrontation at Stone Mountain, which they have the right to, the same way Kyle had the right. To form a militia and protect, you know, their property and protest. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's legal, it's legal. Mm-hmm. But it's the way he did it. It had me. It, it's like it was. Uh, it was setting them up to fail, and you can hear more of that on in the clip. You have done those things. They've killed people. They've disrespected the government to the point where they have invaded its sacred halls. Show me where we've done those things because we have done none of them. What are you all training for? We're training for self-defense. A response to show they won't be scared or unprotected any longer. Mika, we asked the group several times to give us an exact number of their membership. They refused to do so, but it appears to be in the thousands based on the number of people who have come to their marches and also based on the number of people who saw at one individual training session. But it's also important to note, Mika, that the NFAC has no record of violent incidents. However, their leader, Grandmaster Jay, has been recently indicted on federal charges by federal officials who allege that he pointed a rifle at officers during that demonstration in support of Bianca Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky last September. Mm. That case is ongoing. He says pleaded not guilty, and we are waiting to find out the results of that case, Mika. That gave me the same vibes as the Proud Boy leader being extracted <laughs> right before January 6th. It's like, who who are these people? This reminds me of, I did a documentary in 90 or 91 and uh, part of it was in Florida near Miami. And mm-hmm. we were uh, going to interview this group. And as it turns out, you know, this is the kind of group that you see on television. Well, so this group of Cubans, Cuban uh, exiles, who ever since um, uh, the revolution and, you know, they came over to the United States, they've been uh, uh, making sure they've been practicing every weekend. They go out deep into the swamps and they get together and they shoot and they do military drills, etc. And so we came in as a documentary crew, kind of. It was like a, you know, like a kind of a rock and roll type documentary. So just show, just doing cool stuff. And it's like, oh, let's go check out these Cuban guys who are shooting shit up. Uh, it's almost like Civil War reenactment. Only what they're doing mm-hmm. is they're staying prepared for forty years. They're staying prepared for you know the revolution when they need to go and take back their their country, and you would see these guys whenever there's something going on with Cuba, they show these guys. You know, it's a it's a version of that, <laughs> and it would be the yeah. same guys, and you know, and they're shooting weird left and right. It's totally uncoordinated, not like mm-hmm. these guys. NFAC, you know, they had it down, also younger, but it's the same mechanism. And it's perfect for for really. It's a news. It's a television news mechanism. It's really good. It's effective, right? And and they wanted to use them to play off of the uh, white militias, especially going down the Stone Mountain things exactly. like that. Exactly. And, and you but the, and you keep these guys funded for years and years, man, making sure they get some guns or whatever they need. You know, hook them up a little bit. They keep them going. 
And the funny thing was, and this goes go to show you the, the, the actual value of guns. When you got armed black men and armed white men together, nobody got shot. Yeah, I know. Surprisingly. <laughs> like uh, in uh, Michigan. Remember yeah, that they were it, all outside uh, the the state, the capital. Right. That's that's equality. Yeah, it was black equity. guys, white guys, all <laughs> strung out. They were all you know military garb, all looking the same. Yeah. Right. But that's what I'm saying. That's equality. Right there. I got guns. You got guns. You're saying. Uh, yeah. So let's have a can, chat. <laughs> yeah, we can see how it go. And but you know what? We we have stuff we have to take care of when we walk away from here. So we cooler heads prevail. Yeah. So that's that's what they don't want to happen. But I've seen this before, and we covered this in show. Uh, and we can just go through these clips right quick. But this is just a throwback to what I think this um, what's happening with the whole uh, white militias. We saw this before with the Black Panthers. In early 1967, the Black Panthers organized armed patrols through the poorest neighborhoods of Oakland, California, an act that some call the beginning of the modern gun rights movement. We get out of the cars, we would walk up to the scene. Those who had rifles would carry them in the open, clearly visible. We would stand at a, um, a distance where the police couldn't say they were interfering with their arrest or their detention of the individual and uh, make sure that uh, there was no brutality. The police were confronted by citizens who were not just voicing their opinions, but were armed. Mo, can I close the door for a second? Sure. <laughs> How long in the future do you plan these shows? <laughs> I mean, this is, that's 20 shows ago. And so just tell me, are you like 10 episodes ahead? 15? It, it, it doesn't work quite like that, but I can see I open folders and throw stuff in them like, yeah, that's going to come back around. <laughs> that kind of thing. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you roll. All right, thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. Sorry, everybody. We're back. Yes. So I can see how this thing sets up. It's that we want the guns. And my issue with that is you taking my gun leave me completely unprotected. And this is how GBG created itself. That this is the only way I can protect. You say, you say not you, but they say that I'm the most vulnerable most in need of protection, so give me a gun and the, allow and, me to protect and, myself. And they're using these guys and this whole concept to take them away. Yes, it's beautiful. And they just keep the cycle going and going and going and going and going. We don't have to get into the second clip. That just I just wanted to illustrate that we've seen this before. You heard them say that was the beginning of the modern gun control. Black guys show yep. up with guns at the state house. Oh, we got to do something about this. We now, white guys, show up to the, <laughs> yeah. white guys show up to the Capitol with guns. Oh, we got to do something about it. And and that's, and they're going to take our guns with them. And it's like, no, you can't have my gun because at the end of the day, that's the only way I can protect myself. And I'm going to be honest with you, and this is maybe a hot take right here, but I want more cow rent houses in the black community. And what I mean by that is black young men that would go to in the face of violence and say no more that would say you know what it was 40 shooters in chicago today uh, uh this weekend no more 
we're gonna we're saying we're gonna patrol our own neighborhoods with, with weapons. What's that? See, what's that is, group of dads? I saw a group of dads it, recently. Thank you. Uh, uh, what was I, I forget their name, but they were down in Louisiana, I believe. Yeah, and they showed up and said no more. That's exactly what, what they the said. Young men, yeah. just think the young men say that. No, you're not. No, we're gonna have guns. We're gonna be, and I want them to be trained. I want to put guns inside of young black men as early as possible. Guess what? Because guess what? It's happening with them saying the the on the other side, like Kyle Rittenhouse. You can say what you want to about him, but he got busy with that stick for real, for real. <laughs> you can say what you want to about him, but he got busy with. And, and don't we respect the shooters? I just gotta say it. I mean, like we in rap songs and all that. We respect the shooter, and you know what I'm saying. Pull up with a stick and all that. Cow, he 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 he, he, he was about what he said he was about, and he pulled up. But what I'm saying, I'm not saying in a negative way for young black men, but to take control. And that's how you don't need the police. But you see I, what I'm saying? Now the police love, doesn't need to be called. You know, we've been talking for going on two years. I love, uh, and, and and you really started it for me, but you know, now I, mm-hmm. J-Lock at 100, he's out there saying black men, young black men got to stand up. There's more and more and more saying this out loud. And it's, uh, I'm hearing it. I hear you, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you see me? Do you see me? Thank no, you. I don't. I've see never me. seen you. No, that's I'm not a fair question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm just saying. But that's what's scary about them because then you don't need a police state, and then you get the man reinstated in the house, and then that disrupts their power structure, which is based the basis of white supremacy. And you're so which right. Is the one world government. I mean, let's just yeah, see what it is. yeah, yeah. Well, it's the. It's, I'm calling it the GP3. What's that? <laughs> I know it's a new one. I'm working on it. It's the global private public partnership. So it's really it's um, it's going to be policy set by governments, and the money is all run by commercial companies, and we're and we'll all be one hundred percent controlled. So that's that that's really the ultimate goal. Uh, but Australia, it's interesting you brought that up because Australia, mm-hmm. when I done and again, Mister Documentary in the nineties. I did uh, uh, Australia, and I did some very interesting things, and I really loved it. And this was before they, everyone, I mean, and I know that's oversimplification of what happened with guns in Australia, but let's just say people gave up their guns voluntarily. Mm -hmm. And it was such a cool place. It was a mix of, uh, you could feel like Americanism is there, but also British, obviously, um, some of the prop, some of the traditions of the British, which I like, and then uh, something called gezelligheid, the um, cozy kind of Dutch vibe. It all it had all these elements, and and you'll see British people, American people, and Dutch people living there too. They they everyone can feel that that changed, and you know, and their event was a mass shooting. It was horrible, um, mm-hmm. and and that and you know, of course, we saw the same happen with New Zealand just a few years ago. And now you see what happens when you give it up. And you may, I heard you make this point. I don't, I don't remember what show it was on, but I heard you make this point of Australians. And I don't want to castigate Australians in this way, but they started off as a penal colony. Yeah. Dvorak said this actually. Okay. Yeah. And I think it was a very astute and there's a parallel there with, with the black community. If you don't start off as a full citizen, if your genesis is mm. less than a full citizen, yeah, you give up your rights a lot easier. And this is what f- was formed with, you know, um, how white men carry things. 
it's like these are my rights <laughs> you know what I'm saying like and they stand on it because in America white men like these I've always had all my rights Australia they didn't, didn't always have their rights they were they were a penal colony which you're saying they they were prisoners and then got free and I think Same sadly thing. the uh, the uh, the black American experience uh, which you know you you know you know the history of your family mm-hmm. this has been passed on but that has been hijacked into a shitty ass narrative which only makes it about one thing and one thing only not about how you became citizens how you got your god-given right it's much more about look at the white man fucking with you still that's why they won't let us know about uh that's why i made a purpose to let know about the heroes of the vietnam war mm-hmm. and we're going to talk more about the heroes of the world war ii black heroes they don't want to let you know about black men that got busy with a gun Except unless they're doing something to kill another black man, right. that's the only, that's the only one. That's the only people they're comfortable with having guns. And you know why? Because black men that kill black other men with guns are nothing but agents of white supremacy. You want to call people that are productive agents of white supremacy or white supremacists or whatever black white supremacy and black skin? No, it's the rappers. It's the ones that go out here and will willingly kill another black man. Now, what I want to do is counterbalance that and say, you know, we can have our own police. We can have our own communities. We don't need to call the cops. You know what? When something going on, we'll come over there and inspect. Hey, what's going on over here? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Just making sure. You know what I'm saying? Keep it moving. And this is not a foreign idea because there was a show called Rock with Charles S. Dutton. And, and, and it was a whole push on television about black people doing citizen patrols and, you know, patrolling yeah, their own yeah, neighborhoods yeah, and yeah, neighborhood yeah. watching those things. Now and then it went to stop snitching. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. was a put that was on 60 minutes, stop snitching. That was not a coincidence. That was a rollout of just accept the the you know the the deterioration of your neighborhood. So man, I digress, but I just want to let that known that if you never had your full rights, but the thing was is people my age, men my age, we didn't grow up with Jim Crow and drinking out of water fountains, those kind of things. So we kind of think we have our rights. So, you know, so it's no, I want my rights. You know, my granddad and my dad stood up for this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? He went through this bull crap. I want them all. I want, I'm not going to sell it for any rights. And, and, that and is, I don't want that is the original you, know, you guys first because uh, my rights are getting taken away too. Right. I don't want discounted rights. I don't. I rather have. I rather have something else than discounted rights. And so, by the way, I, if your rights are not right, then my rights aren't right. That's how that's I see. What it. We need to start. Re- that's that's how I, I see did, it. Now you see why I said Lady Justice had a serious upskirt because now people are realizing that. Like, oh, now you see. <laughs> like when we used to go in court, like man, if the system was rigged against us, you're like, no, nah, the system's fine. Yeah, what's wrong with the system? It's justice. No, now you seeing like they tried to get cow. It's interesting. You don't what you don't really hear a lot of, even on Fox News. What's that? Justice has been served. No, that's not. I, they're not saying that. They're saying to, something totally counter to that. That mm-hmm. the justice system is completely corrupt. And I'm like, hey, if it, who whatever it takes for it to be identified. So be it, you know, and that's why I don't get upset about, you know what I'm saying, the outcome of this trial. Uh, some people want you to virtue signal and be all irate over it. No, I'm not doing that because, you know what, at the end of the day, my right to defend myself is still there. Uh, we have presidents for what self-defense is. Uh, great. It works for me. But I want to get into these last few clips. Just to pr- I know people are like, man, you're reaching with the gun control thing. 
Well, yeah. No, 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 um, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, I, I I know that it's about that time. We're nearing the end of the show. I'm pretty sure that's not what you're supposed to be thinking. All right. So now this is a MSNBC clip, and I, I keep highlighting on MSNBC because they have been the loudest voice in this whole situation. Yep. Uh, this is uh, gun rights supporters celebrate Rittenhouse verdict one. Rev, you go first. Your reaction Rev. to Madison Cawthorn, a member of Congress, and what he said in the clip we just showed. I think it's frightening. Uh, when I heard the uh, jury's decision and then the reaction to it, I think what people are forgetting, if you start with the wrong premise, you come to the wrong conclusion. The reason Kyle Rittenhouse went to Kenosha was because there was protest against a young black man shot in the back seven times by police <laughs> and there was reaction to it. Some violence, some and mostly wow. a peace. Right, mostly. That's why he came. Mostly. With the AR-15, <laughs> he came to confront protesters. He claimed saying he wanted to protect property. That was not his. He was not a member of that community. That's why he came. So what this verdict does is make people like me that lead protests that lead marches very concerned now are people now going to come into our protests and kill people or hurt people mm -hmm. and claim self-defense and it has now been anointed by people like Cawthorn and others that are saying he ought to be a congressional intern mm -hmm. he's a hero when he in fact aggressively came after a situation that he was opposed to which was the protest around the shooting by police of Jacob uh, Blake Junior, I, I just played that yeah. so you could hear the whole narrative yeah. laid out in one concise, uh. <laughs> one concise, uh, one nugget. It's just that he went down to seven shots. The he went into you know kind of like he was the aggressor in the situation. Protecting your property does not make you aggressive. Protecting other people's property does not make you an aggressor. Um. We need to have the same mentality. We need to know what our rights are and exercise this the has been such a, an incredible setup by the well, certainly by or uh, executed by the Democratic Party. <laughs> you know, let's, let's forget about who's who's really running the the whole thing. But right, wow! I did I didn't see this. I didn't see it zoomed out that far. And they had this all planned, and now it's not working. None of it's so, working. So they got to blame Joe. They got to they got to get rid of him. Kamala's no good. Mayor Pete's got to pop in. Oh my god! The reason why it's not working is when I look at my account, and my money is less than what it was. Yep. <laughs> I can't get with that. And then you want to take the one thing that protects for certain that protects myself away away from me. That doesn't work for me. So now you're just pushing, you know, pushing at, at, at pushing the wrong way. So you saw Al, Reverend Al, set it up. So this next guy is going to come home and slam it on through with what the solution is for Al being scared at protests. Okay, Attorney Henderson, when he says follow the law, this is where probably the one time I might agree with Congressman Jordan. When you read the Wisconsin law, it makes it really difficult to not find um, or difficult to find Rittenhouse guilty. Isn't the problem the laws, the, the way they're written, that make <laughs> that make us vulnerable? And when I say us, the American people, sure. but certainly black people. 
Okay, so Jonathan, <laughs> here's the problem when we start talking about the laws that relates to the Rittenhouse case. It's not simply the law on the books. It's the law that was provided to the jury for them to use in yes. deliberation. Right. The law that they had to use during deliberation was actually more forgiving than you would think with regard to reaching the right result in this case. But here's the problem. And it's a structural problem based on the way the case was tried. The prosecutors assumed they could prove that Rittenhouse conduct was reckless. And they assumed that this law of self-defense was never going to come up because he's breaking curfew and he's wrongfully carrying the assault rifle. And if those two things are true, he doesn't get the instruction on self-defense, so you don't have to worry about it. You have people who don't understand the law of self-defense or actually how it should have been applied in this scenario. Had it been properly applied, I think you could lead to a different result. And go ahead, Rep. But I also think that we need to have federal law on self-defense. We are upon two or three months from now, the 10th anniversary of Trayvon Martin, mm. we still have not legislated on a federal level about stand your ground, which mm. is now in many more states. Oh, wow. And, and that's the problem why these people are ineffective. Why we don't have anything that's, you know, saying concrete on stand your ground. It's been two black men killed in Florida behind stand your ground and we haven't fixed this problem, which I don't really have an issue with standing the ground as long as you judge it the same way for all parties. Of course. That's my thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Stay your ground because you just never know when you had to grip up. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and do something. So well, I, that's I why, want that's to be... why uh, and I think we talked about it, but anyone who owns a firearm needs to get firearm uh, insurance, which usually includes uh, attorney and everything, because it doesn't matter what happens, there's going to be a lawsuit. Because that's, we're, we're, like we said in the beginning, hey man, I was breaking into your house, you shot me, I'm going to sue you. But that's a, that's a tax. See, that's a tax on owning guns. And I, and I don't, I don't agree. I mean, I, I agree with that sound advice. Okay. But the premise behind it, I think is just another tax. So now it's, well, well no, the, I'm already no, the poor. solution, the I can't solution own a gun is, now? no, no, the solution is to shoot the lawyers. That's the solution. (laughs) I'm just kidding, lawyers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, the lawyers are actually going to get us out of this. You watch. There's enough of them. So all I'm just saying is this is you want to add another insurance, which is another tax, which is a luxury for some people. Yeah, I'm with you. That's, but, it's racist. But then that makes it, it makes it, no, it's, it's, uh, I'm kidding. It, Cause it, no, what's that? Cause it hits across all color lines to say, well, cause that's what they want. To where, well, you got to have certain insurance to own a gun. You know, there won't be a straight out banning of guns. It would just be so so expensive to own one. Of course. Just like in New, just like in New York. You can own a gun. I mean, if you know the right people uh, <laughs> and you can get the right paperwork signed. So we see that. So, yeah. What, what I, I was talking about more is like NRA. These types of groups exist specifically for gun owners. And, you know, it won't break. It, I agree. It's a tax. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying to people. Please don't forget that step. That's just the reality of where we're the getting the being real here. That's the reality of what, where we live right now. Yes, it's sound practical advice, and I totally agree. But what I'm saying is the premise behind it that you have to have so much protection for your protection. Oh, it's you know, crazy. It will just wear people down to the point where, like, you know what? It's not even worth it. Not even worth holding a gun. G- you know that kind of thing. GBGSTL. Yeah. <laughs> Give blacks guns, shoot the lawyers. I'm telling you, it's the solution. And and and, well, and you need a Bitcoin. <laughs> so so they brought Reverend Alphon for this segment, and I'm gonna show you how I'm discussing this. And this is the last clip. 
he didn't do good enough job, good enough job selling it. So they actually called him back and made him do it, <laughs> do over it again. again. A do over. Yes. Nice. <laughs> I have a few more words <laughs> on the Rittenhouse trial. That Wait, was it. this the same day, the same show? Yes. So he was already on his way out. He was in the green room, and then well, the- it, wasn't, it wasn't the same show. But you know, what I'm saying they called him back, like you need to double down on the on the. And that's why he said, "I have more to say on the." That's what he's saying. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know exactly how that went. It's like, <laughs> hey, Al, Al, better get your ass back in there. I have a few more words on the Rittenhouse trial that ended and the Arby case that is in its final stages. In just a few months, we're going to be facing the 10-year anniversary since the killing of Trayvon Martin. Uh, the Stand Your Ground laws became a national issue. anchor case. And we never really dealt with it. We never really legislated on it on a federal level. And now we need to, as a movement, as a country, make the Congress and the Senate deal with new gun laws. We just had ministers do a big rally and prayer vigil in Brunswick, Georgia, around the case of Ahmaud Aubrey. Now I'm going back to join the family there this weekend. I would be concerned of having a prayer vigil. Would somebody come there saying, I'm coming to defend something? And if they can get in an altercation with somebody on the side, a verbal altercation, and could take out a gun, an AR-15 at that and shoot somebody, we're under real threat. So we are, in my opinion, we are mandated to try to make laws. We did not do that with Stand Your Ground. We must make very clear laws to protect all. Woo! There it is, everybody. So we're both right. It's a PSYOP. Uh, and the, the purpose for the PSYOP is to take our guns away from us. Very unique what you've done. Um, you know, my my actual skill is deconstructing news almost as it happens the next day, mm-hmm. you know, or within, within days. Uh, the gun legislation was obvious at the surface with things like across state lines. The way you did this today, but also weaving in... Um, the two-tier justice system of money no money mm-hmm. outstanding five-star review I on, yelp, that. on yelp <laughs> <laughs> and and, and you graduate you're now detective I, of law and I, order special well, victims you know, unit. i had to lean on my uh my uh law law and order degree from svu but it carried me through <laughs> the show uh and, and the thing was i don't want people to be triggered i don't want people to be you know what i'm saying um dooming and glooming out uh, if you if you have guns and you have access to make money, then you can enjoy America for what it's meant to be, and that's the real control mechanisms of how they really try to destabilize us. Uh, and like I said, we they start with us. I have to stress that point to people. They only start with us. It's always going to roll downhill, so we have to point these things out and um um. Inform the forty percent and pray for the thirty percent that don't get it. Mo, thank you very much for this uh, outstanding episode. Everybody, uh, please remember to support us. Go to mofax.com or mofundme.com, and I uh, look forward to the lost tapes, Mo. Uh, and, and there's definitely going to be some great stuff there. 
But as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. We'll see you next time right here on Mo Fox with Adam Curry. See you, Mo. All right, see you later, Adam. Shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up.